This podcast is for mature audiences only and may include cussing, cursing, fidgeting, rambling, insensitive or irreverent material, slurs, catchphrases, expressions, lamentations, and or degradations that aren't suitable for young folk. Also, we'll be talking about the reefer. That wizard came from the moon. Welcome to Purple Dungeon Squid, the podcast for gamers that toke. If you love the green and you love the screen, then you're in the right place, friend, because we're here to shoot the breeze on some dank strains and some video games. This week on Purple Dungeon Squid, we talk about the games that get us hot to trot in the new year. We're bracing for the cavalcade of weed-related programming for this year. Destiny, is it flailing or are we all cool, man? Some solid ports are announced for the Switch. Growing weed inside space buckets. I'll also be settling in for a smoke sesh with our strain and our munchie of the week. So stick around because it's going to be a good old time here at the Purple Dungeon Squid. I'm your host, Andy. And with me, as always, is the one, the only, the dankest of the dank, dankity dank, dank Dan. Let the heart inside you grow. And with that feeling of love, draw yourself towards friends and family and settle into this episode of Purple Dungeon Squid. Good Lord. That, sound, <laughs> that sounds like the, 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 something that Ryan Seacrest would say before the, the ball drops. Dear God. Uh, I think the level of sociopathy that runs through a man that, that works like 19 hours a day like he does, I don't, I don't think he often thinks about feelings or people. Nope, just Botox. Oh, no. Purely <laughs> motivated by Botox. No, I'm kidding. Ryan Seacrest, you've got great skin. This is the second I, time I I've talked about a, a news anchor. Beauty. Yeah, it's <laughs> that's all natural. Ryan Seacrest, Anderson Cooper, you can tell where Andy's mind is at. Man, yeah, this is... Oh, we always go to uh, uh, just a, a very erogenous zone at the top of the top of the podcast. <laughs> I think it's like nervous laughter. It's like we're here, we're ready to go, um, and and something just comes out of me that uh, that just resembles uh, intimate touching. So what you're saying is like under pressure, something you bury deep, deep down has a way of coming <laughs> out. <laughs> uh, I see what you did there, and there's not much I can say in return. Welcome to the podcast there, Purple Dungeon Squad. <laughs> oh, Dan, how has the week been for you, my good man? Oh, the week was a blur as my toilings took me to the depths of, uh, of effort and fucking commitment. But uh, in terms Some of... chronic, week, chronic overtime, I think. Is oh, what brother, it's, it's all been there. However, on the weekend, I got a chance to go to a galaxy far, far away in my local cinema. I went and checked out The Last Jedi. Oh, really, my dude? The Last Jedi. Now, that is something that I've wanted to see all holiday season and have not made it out to. I'm pleased that you did. Oh, I held, I held out on this one, waited for the right combination of people to be, uh, you know, all set up for us to go together. And the force was strong with this particular film. Now, that is great to hear because I've heard mixed reviews, um, as you always do with Star Wars films, because there's people who just will never be happy. Strong um, feelings, but- right? Well, listen, man, I mean, I've been a Star Wars fan since, you know, I was old enough to walk. I'm sure you're about the same, yes? 
I mean, the polio did sort of shift that till I was about 12. But yes, that's about the right time. <laughs> Who the fuck makes a polio joke, bro? <laughs> I've been reading about FDR. And let me tell you, what was awesome about that guy is nobody knew he had polio when he was running for president. Because back in that time, they didn't start taking photos until he was at the podium to do his speeches. And he had leg braces. So you just stand up there. And uh, I mean, nobody knew he had polio. And then you go back and get in his wheelchair. That's a sly, that's a sly dog right there. But back to the Jedi's at hand. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think FDR was a Jedi, and in fact, if this was a galaxy far, far away, he would be the Jedi. Oh wow! Um, so, guys, mild spoiler on this thing. Great film, really loved it, but the giant twist on this. Wait, one. wait, wait! Pause for this. Pause for the spoiler. Yeah, give guys Three, two, one. Go ahead. Um, it turns out the last Jedi was the Millennium Falcon. Oh, deep spoiler. <laughs> oh, man. The, yep. the wielding of a YT cruiser-sized lightsaber, mm. it's a thing to behold. It's the sexiest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it's got your satellites, got your, uh, got your turret weapons, you got, uh, you got your Wookiees. It, it's like either yeah. a Wookiee or just like a... A cabinet door desperately in need of some grease. <laughs> Get some WD forty on that YT three thousand. Now, I, I think this I think this particular uh, film is pretty divisive because in our crew of four, we got two yays, one nay, and one. What? Like I just. Listen, and this is coming from a guy who loved all the prequels just fine. Like, you know, I, I never, I've Ick. never been to a Star Wars. Listen, whatever, man. I've never been to a Star Wars movie and left being like, I wish I didn't see that. No, fuck that shit. Star Wars is always grand. It's always a good action flick, and it knows exactly what it is. And I, I'm, I'm hoping for the same thing out of this movie. I, uh, to me, Star Wars was lost in the desert for uh, three stiff movies, and. There's just like there's there's even with Revenge of the Sith even really it, Revenge of the Sith so here's the problem number one and uh, and number two uh, you know uh, Phantom Menace and the Clone War they just were very directionless and the tonal quality was way off and there's some just some oh god awful acting and and then the third one which is arguably the the best film just like brushes over some of the most important parts. Uh, in in the story beats and I but I do I gotta really applaud George Lucas because in in the space opera that he wrote uh, like a 12 year old Anakin Skywalker has to get it on with a 23 year old uh, ish or around that age Queen Amidala and they threaded that needle real gently yeah <laughs> but uh, there's I will go for the obvious pun you know they sat. You know they sat in a room like and talking about the the great character that everybody's gonna love, Jar Jar Binks. Oh yeah, there was some <laughs> there was like, some whiteboarding on that one. There was some there was like I feel like they needed a character there that they spent three weeks deliberating over, and there were so many options thrown out that everything just started to look homogenous. Right. And at some point, they all just blended together into what is Jar Jar Binks, and someone, some genius, went yes. Yes, right. And, uh, t turned out to be a big no. Just nah. We it's like we need we need somebody to be our C three PO comic relief because he's not going to be in the majority of the film. So what are we going to do? We, we they 
uh, stroll out this buffoon, which seems to be like a, a, a very strange allegory to First Nations people because uh, the uh, his people are the native people of Naboo, and he is just the worst idiot. Uh, nearly gets everybody killed multiple times. Uh, yeah. Just a terrible colloquial accent. And what it is is, um, and don't let this happen to you as a father, Andy, because what happened is George Lucas had kids, and those kids made him soft. And then he made a kids movie for jerks. Sure. Now, yeah, I'm making I'm making a kids movie uh, very soon. It's about uh, it's about a, a jolly old weed. Just nug. remember, Andy, you're from the streets, and you always will be. But um, uh, my favorite part is the character, the flying junker Watto, the one that says, uh, <laughs> "Republic credits are no good." Um, ah, but capacitor. Now he says no to Republic credits, but. He says yes to young children flying death machines. He's like, no, that I, fit. No, he's in. He's in for that. Of course, he is. He's a crime. Well, he's not a crime lord. He's a cog well, in the great wheel of crime yes. that is Tatooine, the wretched hive of scum and villainy. Uh, but yes, uh, go out and see the Last Jedi. There are some very good uh, twists and turns in that. Uh, it is actually a really well written movie. I was really pleased to see that. Because whenever there's something precious to you, something you really love, whenever they do something new, you say to yourself, hey, I'm excited about this, but don't, don't you do me dirty. Don't, 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 don't fuck me on this one, Lucas. Don't fuck me on this one, Lucas, uh, or Disney more accurately, but Disney, you know, because they could pull a full, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Transformers and just like crush something that you know is great into something unrecognizable. And nearly they do like a they do like a hybrid of of Star Wars and Touched by an Angel, go that direction. Oh no! <laughs> Some demographic information let you know that there was a little bit of divine intervention that uh, the people were jamming on. Yeah, just make it Touched by an Angel. Han Solo, he comes back from the dead, grants all sorts of gifts. You know what? It turns out, you know who who's going to bring balance to the force? Who's that? Jesus. No, you don't put Jesus in that the movie. Cleansing That's power. That's just disrespectful. The cleansing power of Christ. That's what Watto needs. Oh, goodness. I see I've taken this in an untoward direction. Uh, let me ask you, how, um, how was Kylo Ren's return? Because, like, for me, I really wanted Kylo Ren to be the, the kind of the baddie that, um, you know, made me quiver a little bit. With, oh, like, no. No, t- take it away from that. Take so, it away from that. Along those lines, and uh, mild spoilers, give it the three, two, one, mild spoilers. He pops that shirt off in this film. I see. He shows there's, you that. There's a lot of celebration of the male body in this podcast. He, he I feel shows like we need that to, lean muscle mass. Force correct here. Force, force correct. Is that a dark power or a light power? <laughs> um, no, he pops force that correct. shirt off and, and he exposes, he's not uh, uh, just Kylo Ren. He's also Ben Swolo because he's jacked. Ooh. He's oh, jacked. Yeah. Adam Driver, if you've ever seen him in um, One Tree Hill or any of his previous showings, he's a man of slight frame. Um, but he's been hitting up that uh, that blue milk getting in the back to tank, and he's ready to roll. He's he's, he's ready to roll out. He's yeah. Th- this was up. it. The first the first um you know the first uh, movie he just struck me as like I, I mean listen it's it's a stereotypical thing to say but like he he struck me as like a whiny emo kid like you know he's listening to independent Norwegian music in his room 
while everyone comes over for Thanksgiving. And that, that to me felt, you know, not the baddie I wanted. And then there's, there's what a grand overlord Snoke or whatever, the big dude. He just, I, he had no weight with me because he was just a giant thing. So I, I don't know I, the baddies. I really couldn't get behind the new you know order. The it comes just, up, I didn't get it. The weight, the weight comes up on, on the, the, uh, the, the, the anti force fellas. Um, and once I saw Hayden Christensen say the lines, thusly, I should be the strongest. No one could out emo that man. And you know what? It wasn't his fault. I think it's just bad acting notes. But, you know, what I get from, what I truly do get from Adam Driver and his portrayal as Kylo Ren is uh, anger, frustration. And, like, he does he does play the rage card really well. Like, in Force nice. Awakens, where he where he takes a lightsaber to, like, a, a calm terminal when he finds out that his marks have escaped. And you just have that uh, officer just kind of step back and turn the other way when he sees him just thrashing this thing. He's like, uh, time to go. That's probably enough of that. Yeah. If, uh, if, yeah, <laughs> yeah, man, if, uh, if there's any notes for the lowly comms officer or the, you know, the random patrolling the starship, it's when a force user or more specifically a dark Lord of the Sith is wigging out, you go the other way, man. You just, you just nope right out of there. Yeah, you don't want to give him the compliment sub report, you know, Jensen FN ninety eight thirty two is late again. No, don't deliver that news, just pop a piece on out of there. <laughs> uh sir, we're out of toilet paper in the uh, in the men's comments. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, find yeah, your no. lack of TP disturbing. Oh, nice callback. Nice callback. Speaking of a callback, uh, if I may, unless you had anything else to say about The Last Jedi, I'm stoked to see it. That's it, my man. Yeah. Speaking of a callback, um, I actually picked up a little, uh, I guess you could now call it retro because it's no, <laughs> it's no longer in circulation. I picked up a Vita this week. Dan, are you familiar with the Vita? Retro nothing, but yes, I am. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. You probably, it is. It is. I'm excited about it. You're, you're probably right. We can't. We can't go retro, especially because it's still like a an active console in Japan. But as you may know, Sony discontinued the Vita. I guess about a year ago in North America because nobody was willing to cough up 300 bills for a handheld console. Um, well, I mean, you can <laughs> you can now laugh and, and point at the Switch, but um, at that point, no one was willing to cough up 300 bucks for a handheld console, and uh, specifically one that used uh, get this brand specific. Um, SD cards for its memory. Like, is there anything more fleece worthy than saying, no, you got to buy our specific SD cards for your storage if needs? You're a company that makes exclusive hardware in this manner. Smash yourself in the face with a brick, please. Like, I, I, thank you the, and no. The no, days of, oh, no, that's our plug slash disc slash battery. Just stop. Not only are you yeah. inconveniencing me as a customer, you're inconveniencing the world with your environmental waste because uh, you we have to make a special line just for you rather than a universal item listen my stuff drawer it's full enough dude i don't need anything else in my stuff drawer stop this don't do this. no thing. more widgets no more don't widgets for thing. my shit this yeah man doing. i mean listen I, I have an sd card it's two gigs but i bought it in 2003 and it's gone through like three cameras and a printer so make that shit. But anyway, I digress. So I picked up a Vita on the reasonable cheap. Those are actually challenging to find these days, um, just because again they're discontinued in uh, in in North America, and they still got a decent following. Like there's still active releases coming out. There's actually a, a, a reasonable indie community, from what I understand, who are releasing like physical copies of, for example, Steam games. 
I think Undertale came out on Vita a little while ago. Just some, some really cool titles. Yeah, really cool titles. Um, and you know, it's just it's actually a very cool handheld. So I got the old version, which actually has a nicer screen. The uh, the original non-slim version has this OLED screen, which is just gorgeous, just a beautiful screen. And get this, the coolest part about the Vita and the reason I picked it up after falling in love with the Switch over the past couple weeks is because I can stream all of my PlayStation 4 games directly to my Vita and play it handheld in the house. Nice. So yeah, I mean, as a, as a man who lives in a house with children and a wife who often commandeer the TV to watch the Aristocats or whatever might be happening, it's super convenient for me to be able to play my PlayStation like in the lounge or in bed or whatever it is, right? It means that I'm actually going to be able to make good on that, uh, on that bet for beating Persona 5 by July, was it? July. And sometimes as a father, you're kicked out of rooms of your own home or when you've had too much of Peppa the Pig and... Rather than gouge your eyes out, you fire up your PSP and play some Persona so as not to shamefully lose another bet to your good friend who sees your weaknesses and exploits them regularly. That's right. That's right. Yeah, shame on you. And uh, back at you, bro, because you're going to owe me a full-priced, let's let's remember, a full-priced game by July 1st when I have beaten that bad boy. Oh, was, but, this, a, uh, was this a two-way wager? I thought this was just one of those things where uh, you do it, great, you don't, punishment. Am I on the no, no. hook for a triple A? You are, and oh, I would go back and listen no. to episode. Ooh, I want to say episode five, maybe six. Yeah, anyway, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have the Purple Dungeon Squad lawyers go over it, uh, regardless of their ethnic background. They've already used their 2018 retainer. It was two minutes and 36 seconds, and um, that all went, oh, I think, on something super frivolous. Andy, your classy buddy Dan sent them a Christmas card with a crisp ten in it, so that bought us a little Ooh. extra time. A crisp tenor, a crisp tenor. Um, yeah, but so back to the Vita real quick. Uh, I picked up Persona 4. Um, I picked up, what did I pick up? I picked up Persona 4. I picked up, uh, are you doing a bong hit right now? Sorry? Are you, are you doing a bong hit right now? <laughs> no, I'm uh, playing an African woodwind instrument. That's a very similar <laughs> audio tenor. Oh, God. Wait for the smoke sash, you silly man. Um, so we can partake together, my good dude. But um, yeah, I picked up Persona 4 and I picked up uh, Gravity Rush. And yeah, I'm just, listen, I'm overall super excited for this Vita. I will tell you one thing also. The, for some reason, Sony handhelds are notorious for getting hacked. Like there are people, there are vast communities out there who are developing homebrew pro or programs and hacking their PSPs and Vitas. And regardless of what you want to say about having access to a device and doing cool shit with it, the lion's share of those people are using it to pirate games judgment. illegally judgment mm -hmm, judgment mm -hmm. yeah no <clears throat> i just i just want to have a pink background i want my hello kitty skin yeah sorry no, andy so. i can't hear you from up on that high high horse i i have four horses standing on top of one another and and roaming majestically over the land that is how high i sit uh i went ahead and took this vita who i picked up secondhand from the jeej it's one of the rarer Vitas out there that has not already been updated to the current firmware. In fact, this was a 3.18 firmware, which means that it was eligible to be hacked by no less than like six exploits. So that's you the had, kind of you Vita. Had some hackable options. I had some hackable hardware, my dude, and I could have flipped that bad boy back on the Jeej, and I sat there for a second and I thought of all of the illegal things I could do with that console. And then I said to myself, you know what, man? We're going to play this legit. And then I uh, hit the update button. Mmm. Your morals, and, your mm. sweet, sweet morals. So there you, you forego, go. You forewent 
both uh, some hacked games, a Hello Kitty background, and a possible monetary upswing on the Jeej, of which I know you quite enjoy. I This took something, Andy. I, I, I'm going to bow my head and then later make fun of you. But right now, pure reverence. What happens when my children look at me and say, Daddy, do you pirate video games? What do I say then, Dan? Dad, is that a 3.1? Are you going to uh, update it? No. Or are you going to commit a sin in front of man and God? Jesus. (laughs) Please never speak like that again. Um, Oh, I feel dirty all over. Uh, Yeah. It's just a kid's voice, dude. What's your problem? He's got a little stutter. This guy's adorable. What's his name? His name is... His name is Liam. He's feels doing like his a, best. Feels like a garbage pail kid. You know, one of those like oh. gross, gross dolls or, or children's cartoons that oh, makes you hate children until you're old enough to have them. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Liam. Yeah. No. I, I don't. I, I. For real, it wasn't a super judgment thing. In fact, I just like I. I thought about it and I was like, Nah, dude. You know, I'm gonna be buying games that I want to play. And at the end of the day, like the hacky thing is just not not really for me. But no, no judgment on you if you're elite. Hacksaw, my good dudes. I mean, good stuff. I but I did change my mind. It's not Liam. It's Tucker. Tucker, maybe, uh, maybe Stu. Nope. Stu. Nope. 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 It's Tucker for sure. Gotcha, gotcha. And now for our sponsors. Well, friends, this episode of Purple Dungeon Squid is brought to you by weed and video games, like every other episode. Indeed, in the dark days of January 2018, we find ourselves sponsorless, with the notable exception of Fig Newtons. Because sometimes you want a wafer of goodness that's going to stick to your teeth in the top of your mouth and then give you the vague flavor of a fig, whatever that is. Fig yeah, Newtons. Well, ugh. Yeah, it's, like a ma- ugh, it's like a mouth peripheral. That's what I would call a fig Newton. It's a peri foul for sure. There for you sure. go. Your dad's nudie magazines. It's like taking a safari into the 70s where weed whackers and... Perhaps a machete would be used to trim back foliage of yesteryear. <laughs> what is this accent? Brought to you by your ex's family. Because if they really liked you, you would still be getting invited to Christmas. Jared, we sent your card back. Return to Oh, I'd like to think that, you know, uh, in a parallel universe where I wasn't happily married and, uh, you know, I ended up with uh, with some estranged in-laws, they would still uh, they would still send me like a crisp 20 in the mail. You think that's reasonable? Yeah, maybe a family newsletter. Yeah, yeah, like a, a subscribe. Brought to you by a rusty trombone. It's not an instrument. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, it's also not a drink that you order at a bar. Not the right kind of bar, anyhow. What is what is the sound of a rusty trombone? <laughs> there you go brought to you by bleeding yourself with leeches you take the bad blood out you put the bad blood back you take the bad blood bad out, blood out and, and you, you take it out of preventable oh. disease yeah i i keep yeah hmm. if you want to actually sponsor the show feel free to email us at purple dungeon squid at gmail.com until then you'll have to put up with this nonsense i will never stop you won't stop All righty then, my good dude. Well, we are uh, rolling into the, the the new year is well underway, I would say. Although um, anybody who's still talking about the new year, just maybe stop. Like if I get one more happy new year phone call, I mean, we're like, what? We're the 15th today? Just, just no, just stop this with that. This officially marks the delimiter. Um, I, 
it's kind of like this. Up to January 4th, you can say Happy New Year to people until you're a douche canoe. I mean, yes, you're well-meeting, but that's enough. You've had enough. You're, you're, just, you're just sort of uh, bragging now. Douche uh, canoe. This is the last moment to talk about 2018 like it's a brand new thing. Now we're just saying, coming out this year. What's happening yeah. this year? Yeah, I feel that, man. I feel that. Like Again, if, if, if one more person says Happy New Year to me, they're just milking it. That's just it. You're just done. Finished. Finito. Uh, douche canoe. But yes, um, you know, I think I want to let's start off this segment. Let's just let's chat a little bit about what we're excited about uh, in terms of releases for 2018. What do you how do you feel about that? Just maybe pick five or six we're looking at. I love that. So let's let's hunt and peck some of them out of the list that, that really we got a big old big old list here. We got we got a big new list. And actually, no, some of this stuff was announced in like E3 2010 so yeah well that's just the nature of video game development it's like yeah we got this coming soon tm you know i and i i got a lot of respect for the guys that don't tell you about the game until you know they're like ship dates tomorrow here's the game uh you don't get a lot of that you don't get a lot of that no more so there's some heaters can i I, I can i start there andy before you jump there yeah there's there's something to be said for the hype train though because like it's such a delicate balance i want to hear the hype i want to get excited because here's the thing Half of, not half, but a good chunk of the enjoyment of a video game for me comes in the meta leading up to that video game launch where you're chewing on it, you're dissecting, oh, what are the features that are coming, this, that, and the other. Um, If you've just announced it and dropped it on my lap, you haven't given me any room to think about those kind of things. And I just, I want to get there. It's the foreplay. Forget that noise. I'm now not even watching trailers because just like games, just like movies, you watch the trailer, they're like, oh, what are we going to show you in this trailer? Every story beat. And if you know what you're looking for, we're going to telegraph three of the twists. You know what? I want to see how the director does that and how the cinematographer does that and how the music does that, not how the guy who cut the trailer together does that. Go eat shit. Yeah, I mean, I got to disagree with you on that one. I think that that definitely happens in movies. I think that it doesn't really happen so much in video games or I haven't. I don't have any great examples of it happening, but I, I mean, sure, it's out there, but I don't know. Like, I feel like it's you can still be pretty nebulous with a video game and give the idea of it. I don't think that too many people go to the story well, you know? I think that it hasn't quite bled as much into the video game space, but it's there, buddy. It's there. I like, I'm not going to go to the, the, the alpha and beta message boards um, to get, you know, to find out the, uh, the gun loadout for Destiny 1. Available. Information that's available. But uh, just like I want to get into it organically. I get you. You want that organic. You know, you want that free range video game experience. Well said. Yeah. Um, so uh, may I have the honors? Of first. Oh, yeah, sure. Well, yeah. Grab one off, yeah, hot and fresh off the list. So uh, one of the heaters for 2018 for me just like ran up front and, and kicked a, uh, a cave open and, and burst forth onto a, a Viking longship. Uh, we got God of the War coming out. Did I say God of the War? God of God. War coming out. As <laughs> that's, a like what your, that's what your uncle calls it when he gifts it to you. What? You, I got you that game you wanted. Uh, God of the War? God of the War. Uh, yeah. My, my uncle Murray. So spring. That's what, that's what Murray calls himself when he's bested you at Monopoly. Ah, uh, once again. So this title drops uh, March 22nd. Leaked release dates. PS4 exclusive. Um, and this isn't your grandpappy's Uncle Bernie's God of War. We got our, a reboot on our hands. 
So they've retooled, uh, if you're a God of War guy who played the last three games, they've retooled the, uh, the main character, Kratos. He is no longer the uh, rage-filled, impetuous, revenge-seeking... Uh, Douche canoe. The, yeah, no, sir, don't ruin my flavor, you overusing <laughs> my canoe. Listen, get your own canoe. We'll take it on uh, water. <laughs> stop bailing. Uh, you got what you got yourself is a much more stoic Kratos. He's got a big manly beard. He's beefed up. Long gone are the uh, blades of chaos that were chained to his arm, which replaces like a, a really sturdy axe. And this game um, seems to have, uh, tells you, you know, essentially what its mechanic is, it is. And Kratos teaching his son the ways of this world and how to survive and how to be a face wrecker like himself. Um, mm. And he's taking him through this, uh, this, the lands basically to teach him lessons. And what's 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 cool is uh, through the game, your son actually participates in fighting. He doesn't just distract, you know, the monsters and the adversaries. He's firing arrows and he's getting involved. Um, you know, but something very different than the uh, original God of War series. The combat is grounded. Everything is um, couched in uh, the fantastic, but the real. You know, it, 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 the world looks like a world that Kratos could could be moving through. It's uh, it's much uh, less exaggerated, and you can really feel the the seriousness of the game, and uh, uh, it, it gives me chills. Um, and they they've really outdone themselves in terms of uh, the visuals. It's just stunning. Does, um, does, does sorry, does Kratos have a beard in this? Oh yeah, he's got a big old dad. Is beard. that is that fucking beefcake daddy Kratos hipster man? I don't. I think you'd have a hard time pinning any hipster rap to him, and that's because as you tried to pin it to him, he'd split you in twain with his axe. His big old axe. Got you. I feel you. I mean, so um, God of War is a third person, like a, just just a third person action game, and I feel like uh, it had some platformy elements the last time I played it. Albeit that was on PSP, I want to say. Uh, have you have you played a God of War title before? I I haven't I've outside played- of PSP. I played all three of them, um, and yeah, it spanned PS2 to PS3 for me. Okay, I got you. And we're talking short outings, 10 to 15 hours, as I recall, huge action-y elements, like you were getting your chains up to, you know, 100 and 200, and uh, it was just like merciless and over the top. You're tearing Gorgon's heads off and stabbing Zeus in the heart with a uh, uh, fucking 500-foot sword. So it's less like it's less fantastical and more like Viking Norse situation. Like, and that sounds neat because actually that appeals to me a good deal more. Yeah, and for folks that never really got around to God of War, didn't tickle their fancy, um, it's a cool way to take some core ideas and loved characters and just throw it all away and start over. And they they peeled off that Greek god element and put onto it the uh, I would say maybe even more badass Norse uh, mythology. Perhaps you'll take some magic mushrooms and drink the blood of a bear and, uh, you know, go savage and nunnery. But, uh, you know, only time will tell. Only time will tell if those uh, if those little truffles of gratuitous violence will make their way to Kratos's world. Um, yeah, man, it sounds good. Like, are you is that a, is that an automatic pickup for you or what are you thinking? Um, yeah, it's a strong buy. Strong buy. And that's March, right? It's uh, March 22nd. That is on us like, hmm. Like, mm, okay. Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 has been pushed to spring 2018. That was supposed to come out, ooh, PS4, Xbox One. That's supposed to come out last quarter of last year? That was supposed to be Q4 2017? 
That's correct. Yeah, they pushed that one. Also okay. dropping in spring. So Red Dead Redemption uh, was n- never really my favorite um, open world. Like, okay, I, I don't even know how to classify because it it's a it's a Rockstar game. It's like a it's a blend between your Skyrim and your Grand Theft Auto. In if I if I were to nah, maybe Skyrim's the wrong example, but you got a, you've got a definitively rock Rockstar title set in the old West. Um, you know, for me, Red Dead Redemption. I didn't really enjoy the story beats that much. Uh, I felt it; the whole thing was so desolate. And I know that it's the American heartland, right? You, you, you've got the old West, and that has to be definitively what it what it was. And at the same time, it never really cap, it never really grabbed me. I guess maybe I'm just not <laughs> maybe I'm just not a, a Western fan. Anyway, Red Dead Redemption Two, however, does look pretty damn cool. So the main character is um, Arthur Morgan. So he's a troubled cowboy. He's angered some groups across the Wild West. They're intent on pursuing him. Uh, it looks like a little bit of an outlaw escaping some trouble situation. Um, and yeah, I mean, if this if this takes the GTA formula that um, that Red Dead Redemption the original had built off of brings it into kind of like the next generation of offering maybe more to do than ride around in like the desolate desert on a steed. Um, I, I might be interested in that. I mean, so many people love Red Dead Redemption. Again, it just never grabbed me. I, what about yourself? Are you interested? There's uh, a little bit of grit that you get when you're watching a, a man ride across the savannah. Not a savannah. What's the other word? The plains, the open plains. I don't know. I think it's the, the I think it's the desert. It's it's not. Is it a desert? I'd say it's a desert. I think you're, you're talking across the the wild frontier. Never there you know go. What's over the next hill? Or sure, you fucking do. It's like sixteen cactuses that you already saw. Oh and- man, you know what? You just gotta understand the majesty of of a horse with a lone rider. Uh, you know, galloping across the frontier. Somebody's whistling in the dis- distance. Oh. Mm, my ears. There's, you just you just gotta let you just gotta let that like bite into you, and you know I guess that's not everybody's like sauce, and uh, you know given the Western Back to the Future one is easily the worst, but there's there's some there's some cool vibes I get from Red Dead and Red Dead Re- Revolver. Um, you know, and I, what I like about this game is it offers you uh, you know the outlaw path. And the more honorable outlaw path, and you can either play it straight. And when John Marsden, the titular character from the other two games, or one game, doesn't matter. I think one of them, your Marsden son. When you draw down on a uh, jaguar or ten guys, you can shoot them in normal time, what I call hard difficulty, or you can, you know, incite and uh, start that game. This game's bullet time, where everything slows down, and you can mark targets and do that uh, do that very cool move where you work the hammer of your gun with one hand while you shoot with the other yeah I, I mean that. it's it, I, I gotta gotta give you props for making that all sound exciting you know in practice I got um, I want to say probably two-thirds of the way through Red Dead Redemption just past Mexico and yeah again it's like I think maybe it just suffered from that 
um, mid two thousands rock star era. Like I, I feel like rock star storytelling has gotten a lot better. For example, Grand Theft Auto Five had a much more compelling story um, than any of the previous titles, in my humble opinion. And you know, it really took a game that I was just burnt out on Grand Theft Autos and 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 made it something that I was more interested and willing to play. Maybe this does the same thing for that. Maybe it takes a setting that felt a little bit rote, that felt a little bit boring, especially when coupled with the I guess it was the in-game, the, just the in-game cutscenes that were put together in, in Red Dead Redemption just never really felt engrossing for me. Maybe there's maybe there's some storytelling elements here that really take this over the edge. Um, I just, I feel like the West, the, the, uh, the old West is a really challenging place to make a sprawling, whatever, 60 plus hour open world game. I feel like it's really challenging to get the diversity of scenery uh, that you need to keep enjoying a game like that, especially when it's so desolate that I'm, I'm hoping they prove me wrong on this one. You know what, man? You just, uh, you got to have an appreciation to get this game for the lonely countryside. You know, you, you're, you're riding your horse and you come across a herd of buffalo, and then a train uh, goes by, and a hawk flies over the ridge. Like that works for me. That's that's right on the button. Um, you know, it, there's such a thing as overstuffing your game with stuff, and having a game that has the balls to just shut the fuck up for 45 seconds a minute. Those are those like those moments when you, a well-made game just does its thing that you can be in awe of. I found myself in a very similar place with Metal Gear uh, Subsistence. Uh, subsistence. Subsistence. Um, right at the S- beginning, U- Metal uh, Solid B- Snake <laughs> uh, parachutes in, and you're in this jungle, and the detail in the jungle. You lay down and look in first-person mo- mo- mode. There's Frogs hopping around and a bird, you know, flying through the canopy and the jungle just does its thing. I, I stood there, laid there for like 10 minutes just looking around. And I was like, yeah, yeah. You were game, fucking baked out of your goddamn on. tree, weren't you? <laughs> that, that's, uh, listen, I, I, I respect what you're saying and I totally agree. But I, the jungle does not have as much fucking brown as the goddamn desert. That's all I have to say. It's just fucking brown. It's brown as far as the eye can see. Welcome to Brown Town, friend, because you're here for a long fucking time. We'll agree right. to disagree on this one. What, what else? What else go. is jumping out of you on this list? Um, you know, another heater, another firecracker uh, for me is uh, Mega Man. And oh, Mega Man, interesting. There's a there's a new one. What? <laughs> no. No, no, it's, I was going to mention a golden oldie in the middle of our new game section. No, like, I mean, what are you talking about? A, a new Mega Man is big news. Like, they don't release it's, new Mega Mans very often. Is, I thought it was like a re-release when, you, when I saw this. No, this is Mega Man 11, and uh, this is coming to every platform um, dropping this summer, and it, it follows the ta- on the tales of Mega Man 10, uh, easily numbered for our, our, uh, our remembering. Uh, it dropped in 2010. And so eight years later, we're getting Mega Man 11. In, wow, that is I, a gap. I'm pumped for it. Now, in the middle, we got Mighty Number no. 9, which is, was a Kickstartered Mega Man clone uh, that um, bragged to have, yeah, I think it's uh, Ifune, the one of the original guys that was on Mega Man uh, 1, 
but I've heard him been dissed saying Inafune, he was the business guy. What this game has is it has some of the original um, uh, uh, veterans from the original game and uh, a designer from the, some of the recent Mega Man releases. The, the director, Koji Oda, and the producer, I'm going to do my best here, Kazuhiro Tushuya? Uh, they're veterans Kazuhiro Tushuya! There you go. They're veterans of the series. And, uh, you know, I took a look at this. They've, they've stripped down some of the design. You got your basic Mega Man um, uh, design. He's down to, he kind of looks like a guy who's wearing uh, spandex with a helmet, uh, some boots, and uh, a gun attached to his one hand. He's, a, he's, a, more sle- he's a more slender Mega slender. Man. Now, I, I love the high-tech Mega Man X Mega Man. That's kind of my number one. But the, this game, I've, I've been watching some of the platforming, looking at some of the gunplay, and it seems like they've hit all the elements right. And it's simple things like how fast Mega Man moves and uh, you know the type of enemies they deploy. Um, and I, I got to give it to them. Retro titles are risky. They, you know, Especially with Mighty Number no. 9 bombing. And having not a lot of strong revival clone side-scrolling platformers like this doing very well, uh, save Cuphead, which does a wonderful job in the genre. <clears throat> uh, so Sonic, Sonic Mania did really well last year too. Sonic Mania was like the first. Uh, sorry, not to derail you, but but Sonic Mania was like the first Sonic game that didn't suck a fucking dick, and uh, <laughs> it came it, it came out in the same vein as the original Genesis Sonics. Now. I'm a little burnt out on Sonic having played Sonic 1, 2, and 3 like 8 billion times a piece, but that title was like what the fans wanted. Then they came out with, I think, Sonic Dark Forces or some shit after, which was a, a smoldering pile of garbage uh, as well. So, um, you know, I will say that was a hot title last year. Maybe this can, can pull a little bit of uh, Sonic Mania out of its hat. That, yeah, exactly. And you know what? The resurrection of uh, the Blue Bomber is exciting. I, I'm hoping for the best with this one. Um, you know, and I've been, I've been bitten before. So cautiously optimistic. This is a, a maybe if I like what they roll out. Yeah, I feel you on that one. Um, it's a 2.5 D one, right? So there, there's a little, uh, I just, I really wish, maybe I don't wish, maybe that's too strong a word, but like, I, I just, I'm so much more appreciative of that old Sprite look. And I feel like you can do it in just a little bit more of a high fidelity, almost cell shaded element right now. Um, 2.5 D where you're, you're actively modeling those, those, uh, those characters. Just, it just, I don't know. To me, it doesn't look great. I don't love it. Um, in a lot of, in a lot of, uh, you know, instances, I agree with you. I prefer a Sprite based street fighter. Um, there's a cleanness to it, but what I like about this is they have kept the cleanliness of it, and a lot of the 2.5D, um, they use in really intelligent ways. Like They'll, they'll have a, a boss or a mini-boss that is like a, a drill of some kind or an auger, something that spins, and as it turns, it, it has a, a really nice uh, rotational animation because of that 2.5 rendering, and they do this very well. Yeah, no, I get that. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely will be picking this up. I, I you know, I'm a, a reasonable Mega Man fan, not a huge one, but a reasonable one. And uh, yeah, if, if eleven, uh, if eleven strikes it rich, then this may just be the very return to the series that I need uh, to get excited about Mega Man. Monster Hunter yeah. World is my next pick for sure. Um, listen, we've talked a lot about it. Like, I'm just obviously very stoked for this game. You know, Monster Hunter has had a real tough go enticing players in the West. 
it has a cult following, I would say, but not a widespread following. I truly believe Monster Hunter World, again, coming out for the PlayStation 4, uh, Xbox One, late in the year, it'll be on PC. I really feel like this is going to be the title that takes Monster Hunter into the mainstream. I played the beta a little while ago. Um, the game is stunning. You know, no, no surprise there. They've done a really beautiful job on the graphics, uh, which is important because you're spending a lot of time in this really environmentally realized ecosystem and ecosystem is exactly the word that you want to use there because you've got different beasts and monsters and whatever running around that you're you're kind of the illusion of of this being a, a viable ecosystem is what part of what makes monster hunter so interesting the layers of the beasts where they're eating what they're eating like that that's all really cool um the thing with Monster Hunter is that in the past, it's had a ton of things to learn. Huge barrier to entry. The 3DS title that I played, you know, at the beginning of the, uh, at the end of last year, like it was like 11 hours of tutorials for me to just come to grips with the system. From what I can see, Monster Hunter World has a, a, a much um, gentler uh, learning curve. It, you know, when I played the beta, it was very easy and intuitive for me to get in. It didn't bombard me with a bunch of tutorials or menus or any shit like that. I just was able to get in and start kicking some monster ass. Right. Um, and I, I feel like it, you know, it's still going to have the monster hunter depth. You're still going to have all of the weapons. You're still going to have all of the customization that comes along with skinning a monster and turning it into a piece of armor. Right. Um, but you know, I believe that this release, after having played the beta, does exactly what it's supposed to, which is make hunting big monsters with unique abilities really just appealing, really visceral, really like I'm doing this, not just so much a you know the grindy wheel that it was in some of the previous titles. So to me, this is a, this is an, an auto buy. It's coming out you know in a couple weeks here. I'm real stoked about it. Uh, you know what? <clears throat> I I tend to agree with you. Lots of great stuff in this game. Uh, really noticed the same when the beta came out. Really walks you up through the concepts really slow rather than drop you in a hundred systems and says, "Oh, good job." And you know, it, looking at the menus, uh, even the uh, the initial character creation screens, they strip way down. Um, and even when it gets a little technical, it's technical for a game, but not for a Japanese game. You can tell they've held back. They're like, "Oh, we want to put in a hundred more stats right off the beginning." It's relax, and they did. They took a breath on it. Um, you know, uh, I. I will watch a let's play of this. I will uh, like have you regale me with tales of your monster hunting. Buddy, you are getting the fucking game. We're jumping on. Maybe we'll stream it. You and I are going to hunt some monsters okay. together because that's what okay. this game is about. Listen, I'm up for that, but I need to get this off my chest and then I won't mention it again. Why do you have to hit that dragon thing 50,000 times? What's with that? Listen, if I ran up to a, a terrifying Gila monster that was 20 feet tall and I chopped at it with a 50-foot sword, after the third time, if that thing wasn't, like, uh, let's say, <laughs> staggering, it wasn't limping, I'd be like, no, you know what? This guy's not for me. Ah, let it go. That's why you are not a monster hunter, my good man, because it's Listen. all about the slow burn. It's all about consistency hey, in your this actions. Is safe, this is a safe place, Andy. A safe place. My uh, second, it's not a, no, no, it's a, it's a world, in, an imperiled world filled with giant fucking monsters. Andy, I'm not you better talking get your, about the dungeon hunting world. I'm talking about the safe space we created in this podcast. Oh, in the purple dungeon. Where, where I, 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 I'm going to launch these 
things that I must get off my chest into the, the ether, and you're going to accept them with nodding grace. Uh, or I'll, uh, you know, impugn your, your manhood. Silence! <laughs> so my no. second gripe... I will be heard! My second gripe is... Um, Nora looks beautiful, looks packed with stuff and vines and greenery and all this stuff, ecosystem, you said it. But just something irks me when, you know, I'm engaging with this giant monster. We're in the heat of battle. Uh, I've hit him for the 500,000th time. And then, like, just, like, uh, a grazing animal just wanders into our battle zone, like, just not noticing what's, what's happening around him at all. And he gets so close, I accidentally cleave him and he dies. I'm like, yeah, that hurts my immersion. That, that, yeah. that gentle herbivore he's a, just... He's a dumb herbivore, just, bro. There's Get no over it. such thing... Listen, <laughs> there's no herbivore that... Um, I, I want you to know I just, I just stepped over a mom joke, and that was for you. Andy's Thank you. Mom. Um, there's no such thing as an herbivore that... Thank um, you. They, they have a high... They have a high aversion to uh, just melee of any kind. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I haven't. Listen, I I ah, there's some I things you have to Let's do. Play. I watched a Let's Play where like a hadrosaur was doing battle with a guy, and as the, he's swinging wildly, like five birds that were just like flying through got killed. I'm like, they will they will avoid. They will take great umbrage to such a an event. That is called collateral damage, and it's way cool, bud. Way cool. Yep. Yep. Um, okay, so I think that the, let's. Why don't we? Why don't we pull out one more on here? What are you thinking? Uh, uh, ooh, like Kingdom that. Hearts three. I are agree. you? Are you Kingdom Hearts fan? I have played three of the titles. Two of the titles. Yes, two of the titles. So you've you you've got like and beaten them. Uh yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. you're a you're a fan. Oh, amazing! I was. This is the one title on this list that I thought you were going to fight me on. It does not seem like your kind of title, and I'm so pleasantly pleased that you enjoy it because it is. Uh, it's one of my favorite PS2 gaming memories. Hey, there you go. I'm a sucker for a crossover. Yeah, and this is the the crossover of all crossovers where you've got the Final Fantasy doing the dirty with some Disney franchises. And uh, they boy, did they ever pull it off in a big way with the original Kingdom Hearts. They really did. And uh, they merged two concepts and worlds that I was like, how are they going to... How do you put Cloud, uh, you know, uh, alongside Mickey Mouse? Or yeah, and or Goofy or Donald Duck. Like that shit was amazing. It was next level. They did it. They did it so well. I wasn't ready for it. My guard was down. And then you know there was a little bit of like a strange Japanese storyline on the inset with the island and the dreaming. I'm like, eh. and then it just hits its stride, and and it does really well the whole way through. And um, it's was, and, and it's got that distinctive J-pop overture. Yeah. Simple yeah. and clean is the way that you're making me oh. feel tonight. Oh, this is death. It's hard to this let it go. Oh, I really hope you edit this out. Uh, <laughs> it, no, that, that and, is beauty but in its Andy, finest, <laughs> finest has form. Has this thing, Andy, I'm going to segue. What's this thing uh, just, it's been how long? 10 it's years? It's been like 10 freaking years since they came so, out with Kingdom Hearts 2. So this hype train has been so long. I got off like nine nine years ago, and I'm just yeah. like, I'm like I'm just gonna quietly re- wait for this game to come out. And I it, I do it's it to like service, that guy not watching it while it works. Yeah, 
I mean, it's like that guy from high school who like, you kind of, who was like at the lunch table every day. You know, you liked that guy. He was a good dude. Like you had a lot of great times together and then high school was over and you promptly fucking forgot about that dude. And he just, he's in the rearview mirror and every now and again, you'll see him on Facebook. You'll see him on LinkedIn. He just got a new job as, I don't know, a territory manager for uh, some software company. And now he's Congratulations, Brad. Congratulate, congratulate Brad on his new role as a inside sales consultant. That's a solid career move. Yeah. Nicely done, Bradley. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, now he's back. Now he's coming to your, uh, he's coming to your, I don't know, your kid's bar mitzvah. He's back. And, He's gone through all the hairstyles. You missed all the, the, the interim hairstyles. He's back to his old hairstyle. He's back to Brad. He's gone through all of them. That Brad. Old it's favorite. The, 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 the number two. The number two hairstyle. So, Andy, uh, Brad aside, have you seen any of the, the stuff for this, uh, for this Kingdom Heart? Uh, no, but because it's Disney and because Disney now owns a couple licenses that I'm pretty fond of, I'm really hoping there's some crazy crossovers into those, uh, exciting worlds like the galaxy far, far away. I did a peek and I, I, I didn't see any star war. Not one to be seen. None of the Marvel what? properties. There wasn't what? a star war. Sorry. Are you serious? I didn't see one. That's what I'm saying. Um, there wasn't um, there wasn't a uh, a Hulk or Wolverine. Um, I think we're too far in the development cycles for those deals to really matter. And they have oh, so much okay. else in the stable now. What I did see, Andy, mm-hmm. what I did see is I saw Andy's room, and I saw a Buzz and Woody because they went to full Toy Story. And oh, Toy I, Story! I'm, I yeah, I was like, oh, you did what? What did I you see in my? I think you know. He's like um, totally, totally innocent conversation and just casually drops in. Yeah. yeah, I'm just outside your window right now. Really like what you've done with yourself. Horrifying. Um, and what I love about new this New year, game, new take, me. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, so what I love about this series is it, it takes these weird uh, worlds that are totally different and gives permission for the main characters to step into them. And when they stepped into Toy Story, uh, Goofy, Donald, Mickey, and Sora are all toys. They've been toy. Oh, I like that. Oh man, and I just love it. This is the the game. That's the opportunity of the game to take bold, you know, moves in gameplay and and visuals in each of the different worlds. Um, to for anyone who hasn't seen this, seen this, like the game will the characters will go through realities. It's one of the sort of story hooks they set up that they have access to these different realities, and they'll go into the world of the Beauty and the Beast, and you cooperatively fight with. Uh, beast along along your side. You can set him as one of your companions. When you go to the sorry, Aladdin is that, verse, is that, sorry, is that this one, or are you just referencing the previous games? Because previous games, yes, previous sir. games. Got you, got you. Yeah. Um, and you go to you know the uh, the world of the little mer- little mermaid, and then it's all suddenly underwater. Um, you know, just it's it's really really great. And each each world has its own aesthetic and and gameplay elements, and it, it was a ton of fun, ton of fun. And I'm I'm. Uh, I'm guessing that this one will be no different. Yeah, no, it seems that way. Um, so a couple, a couple elements that have, they've floated. I see on the list here. Uh, oh, cool! The uh, Kingdom of Corona from Tangled. That's neat. I like that. Tangled was a good one. Um, what is there here? Mount Olympus. Is that Zeus? No, yeah, that's Her- Hercules. Hercules. Yeah. There. Yep. Yeah, uh, you said Toy Story. What's Mysterious Tower? Do you know what that is? I don't. No. Ooh, mysterious. Big Hero 6 is in there. Um, and Twilight Town. I think that's just like the hub town, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I got you. Cool, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm. Listen, when this comes out, I will be stoked to play it. From what I understand, well, yeah, E3 2013 was when it was announced, so I'm not holding my breath for a 2018 release, but it will be a pleasant surprise if it does come. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this the, the Dan, Dank Dan seal of approval that it will be out in 2018. Interesting. Okay, very cool. Well, I'm, uh, I'm putting my bet on a uh, Q1 2018, but you never know. Santa might bring it early. It may be a Christmas release. We're not seeing it before Christmas. No way. Fair enough. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, that is a, that's a pretty strong list, I would say. A pretty damn strong list of games that I'm excited to play. Um, I'm going to go full Dr. Seuss on this situation. But before I do, what do you think? You want to skip over to the Smoke Sash quickly and maybe uh, circle back in on some very exciting games that we played in the last week? I think that's a great idea, Andy. Let's get in there, my good man. All right, all right, all right, my friend. It is time for the Smoke Sash Purple Dungeon Squad. And uh, Daniel, Dash Daniel, Dank Daniel, Dash McCrender, Dash Over the Oblahaya. That is my name. Sapina, Sapina, Sapina. <laughs> Go on 15. Go on 15. <laughs> Rough start. All right, all right, all right, my dude. Welcome to the Smoke Sash, where we smoke on some herb talk about that deep smoke filtering into the dank bowels of our fucking neck beards. Wow. And I make no secret about it, Andy. This is my favorite segment. And yeah. my favorite part is this is when I give myself permission to stop making sense. And you might ask yourself right now, Dan, were you making sense earlier? And the answer to that is maybe. That's a, that's maybe. a strong, strong maybe. A strong maybe. Um, I'm, uh, I'm excited to settle into this, into this ganja-precipitated heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, I, so, you know, I, I don't have anything special to smoke out of today. I was hoping to have a, a new little toy here to play. Maybe toy is the wrong word. Let's get toy off the table. Let's yeah, get that no. out of the room. No, no thank it's you. It's a tool. It's a tool. It's a tool. It's an accessory. Yeah. It's an accessory. accessory. It's a lifestyle accessory. That's how we're pitching it. I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of accessories, guess what? Oh, dude, dude, I got some exciting news for you. You want to hear something exciting? Hit me. Hit me. We, we got some purple dungeon squid slaps under manufacture. Slaps? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I had a guy who knew a guy in the sticker business. And we got some right. purple dungeon squid stickers uh, that we're going to be giving away or mailing to people or I haven't really decided yet. I was just like, "Ah, oh, yeah, we need some stickers for sure. We need stickers." We slaps, oh, bro. Yeah. Hey, listen. Let, I'm marking now. Listen, if you're listening to the Purple Dungeon Squid, it's pre-episode 10. That's still the ground floor. You're one of the original crew, the inner circle. And if you if you get a sticker, are we giving these stickers away? Are we uh, are we making I, them I available? I want to say so I spent a I mean, I only spent like 35 hundred dollars on the stickers and so i I think we we got to keep them close to the chest uh no no i think we're definitely giving them away Uh, we're definitely giving them away listen anyone who can get their hands on these uh you know andy's the master when it comes to to the instagram sensation and i'm sure that that's probably how he's gonna dole it no bro it's 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 the it's the gram that's it's the gram Gram? oh you're so hip 
Yep. But if you so get these stickers, you're one of the anointed few, and uh, you you know you can put yourself in that hall of fame for all time. So uh, yeah. There, oh geez. Share it, like it, subscribe it, double post it, uh, click it, share it. it. Did we say share? I think we said share. And I think I think sharing is a thing on these in- internet platforms. Um, and if you're not following us on Instagram, fucking shame on you. Shame on you, friend. Head on over to at Purple Dungeon Squid. Click that little follow button, and uh, you'll make uh, make old Andy's day. Yeah, there's some heaters on there. There is some. There's some pretty good content. So uh, check her out. The fresh stuff. Yeah, no doubt. Alrighty, Dank Dan. Well, um, yeah, let's settle into this, my good dude. What uh, What do we have here? What do you? I got. Tell you what. I have a both a good story. No. Yeah. Uh, a mediocre story. Oversold it, brought it back a little. Uh, it's more of a, a pleasant anecdote. I've got okay, a pleasant anecdote to uh, to accompany this strain. What do you uh, What do you got today, though? Oh, uh, you know, I have a very special strain, and I, everybody knows this strain uh, in one way or the other. They've come across it. And what this strain is is this is the strain that a friend hands you in uh, a fist, a cupped hand, with no words exchanged, just a wink. And so what I have today <laughs> is a strain, that exact strain. And you'll know it when you see it. Um, and, and this particular variant of that strain is very specific. This is a fist-sized nug. Mm. And I hear you thinking, well, what shape is your fist, Dan? Is it like a conical, elongated form uh, you know, that's vaguely in a bud? No, this is a fist. And so, it's, Sorry, the shape is a fist or the size is a fist? Yes. The shape is like in the shape of a fist, like a like yes. a like a make hand. A fist. Make yeah, a fist. Megan, that's the shape. That's the now shape. Look at it. Yeah, that but is it's not. I'm it's not the size of your fist. Oh yes, it is. You have a nug the size of your fist, and presently in your in your possession, ten percent smaller than my fist. It, that it is, is an impressively large nug. Right when he handed it to me, what I assumed he handed me was a, a ball of clay. Now, why wow. would he hand me a ball of clay? I don't know. Maybe he wanted a, a romantic, uh, you know, a pottery making scene to proceed. I don't know. So I'm this isn't like this isn't this isn't your top shelf weed. I have to guess this is like you're grown in an English garden next to the echinacea kind of weed. You know what? So let me tell you about it. What I'm looking at, it's somehow simultaneously tight but loose. And I know those are two opposite things. Um, you know, when I when I pick it up, it's it's firm. But it's not like incredibly tightly packed, which is interesting. Sure. It's the um, jazz music of weed. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna have to actually brain that a little bit, put that in the old thinking machine before I can really get on board with it. Yeah, put that um, through if, the Pentium too. Put that through the old bit banger. And so when I'm looking <laughs> at this thing, a big fat stem at the bottom, the fattest stem you've ever seen. It, uh, I can actually see stem curling through the bud, which I've never really witnessed before. Like on the outside, it at port. it's growing like an angry vine in there. It's furious about it's like something. The, it's like the vines on the outside of an impenetrable castle. That's some Castlevania weed right there. Right, the Vania weed, and uh, I can see some trichomes or some orangeness in there. It's it's dusted, but not heavily dusted. And if I I'm gonna pass it under my my the old schnoozle. Smells like lemon and pine, which does tell me this is indeed marijuana. And uh, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, you smoke a lot of ma- marijuana when the smells of lemon and pine 
just scream marijuana. <laughs> if that's the filter that you process those two smells, chances are you're a pothead. That's right. That's, that's Do people still correct. say pothead? Is that a thing still? I mean, I haven't, like, when you say pothead, I, I can picture a thing. Um, uh, uh, this is meant to be you're poignant a can- to no you're one. A can- you're a canisseur, my dude. What, that's what the I, new when thing. When I hear pothead, I hear it's, it, it is a white guy. He does have a Rasta hat on. Um, the dreads that are beneath them may, might be real. They might not be. He's wearing a knitted poncho. Oh, yes. Board shorts and Birkenstocks. Stocks. Now, Restaurant manager. Um, line I would, cook. I would, line line no, cook. No, man. Let me nail it. Let me hit it at one. Yep. He works at the mini putt. The mini putt. He's a mini putt guy. Now, his name might be Dave. It might be Daryl. Mm-hmm. And I want to make something clear. I like this guy. Yeah. And I like Dave. I like Daryl. I hope that he enjoys this phase and then makes some kind of quantum leap forward. My, my greatest regret would be to return to this mini putt 20 years hence and be forced to uh, introduce my children to Dave, who's not like same Birkenstocks. But maybe he's a Tommy Chong type and it's a, it's a blessed journey. He's in the same place and yet he's moved becoming somehow eternally wise, a sort of putting Buddha, if you will. Yeah, I feel that. He's got he's got the, you know, listen, imparting valuable information to the youth of our nation uh, in between heavy puffs on the blunt. <laughs> Precisely. Now, <laughs> yeah. enough, of, enough of my fist of weed. What do you got, crack Well, so, okay. So I started a new job about two years ago. And uh, at that time, I found one of those, you know, those obnoxious little bracelets like, I stand with Bob, or you know, they say try harder. I don't think that any of these bracelets say that, but they're, they're like the the Lance Armstrong bracelets. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, the bracelets that have sort of broken off in such a swirling vortex that they now represent like some niche problems that we didn't know. Like 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 it says like uh, you know uh, uh, you know uh, mothers against belly button lint. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty apt, man. It's funny because like. You know, they started off generally as like a breast cancer awareness thing, or they started off as a, um, you know, whatever. Uh, I think Core it was most, mostly a cancer or support the troops and, you know, important shit like that. Now it's like everybody's on the marketing train. Now it's a marketing thing. We're handing out these cheap, inexpensive kind of bracelets so that you can remember our brand. And I would say shame on you with the notable exception that I've been wearing this bracelet and make no mistake, it is a marketing <laughs> bracelet. I've been wearing this bracelet for the last two years. Now call it a superstition thing. Uh, I've done some amazing things over the last two years. And I feel like that's true of most years of your life. Like, you know, you, you never, you very rarely look back and are like, Oh, I really fucked up that year. You know what I'm saying? But uh, <laughs> that one was a real shit show. What a gong show that year was. Um, but you know, now I'm kind of superstitious. Like I kind of got to keep it on cause I've had some, some good years and, and what if I take it off? What happens then? In um, fact, that's like saying, you know, none of this is me. This is all bracelet. I know. It's funny. These little talismans. I feel like, you know, 500 years ago, I, this would be my medicine stick. You know, I'd yeah. be the, <laughs> this would be my village elder idol. Um, but today it is a, uh, it is an inexpensive black rubber bracelet that says white rhino on it. And white uh-huh. rhino, if you don't know, is a, uh, not on their payroll. Um, white rhino is uh, like a vaporizer slash glass manufacturer out of the U S. Um, and you know, I mean, they're, they've got some, they've got some reasonable repute. 
And the nice thing is, is that white rhino is also a strain of weed. And in fact, it is the strain of weed that I am smoking on today. So two years, full circle, have not smoked white rhino before, had to pick it up when I saw it. Pretty excited to go over it. Let's see. Then this is a bit of a loose bud. Um, you know, the, uh, the, the, the hairs on it are, uh, let me see here. They're like really feathery, really kind of wild and gangly. They're kind of all over this thing. Very pronounced hair presence. Not a lot of trichomes on this nug. Um, not a super, not a super frosty nug. I feel like that's been true of most of the weed I've I've picked up lately. I hope it's not a condition of my of uh, my weed guy. But let me see here. Um, yeah, I mean, came came apart pretty easily. A little bit, a little bit sandy in texture in my fingers. Like it, it, really? it looks, yeah, it looks pretty good. Like it's, it's, uh, it's got this kind of. Um, What's that? What's that shade of green? It's like a like a like an like a winter green stick of bubble gum. I, I don't know. That's a terrible. It's <laughs> a terrible example. But uh, it's it's got this kind of I guess you could say dark olivey um, color. And let's get a, let's get a nose on this bad boy here. Okay, interesting. It smells like. Wow, that's that's an odd. So I get a little bit of like. Now I got some I got some flack for the um, <laughs> I got some flack for the cat urine <laughs> Durban poison uh, comparison last last week. Um, you know a lot of folks have come back to me and said, hey, you know it tastes smells good. I love Durban poison. It's one of my favorite. You know it smells like a like a like a like a nice purple crush to me. And I'm like, you know, I just, honestly, I just call them as I see them. So here I got a little bit of like a chocolate mixed with gym sock flavor going on. It's like this. Yep, there's this unmistakable like gym sock tanginess mixed a with like a sweet gym funk. It's not sweet so much as it is like a little sour. It's a little oh. bit of that. Yeah, it's a little bit of that like that sourness going on. I'm not talking change room. I'm talking right. gym sock. You know what I'm you're saying? Not, Very- you're not nose into a fresh pair of jockeys. No, that, this, is are, not, this is not, this is not, yeah, this is not stew after he played, you know, three hours of squash. That's not his manly odor. Yuck, stew, yuck. Uh, no, this is a, uh, this is a, a gym sock, bottom of your bag. You give it a brief, a brief sniff and, um, you go, yep, that one was worn and you, you toss it in the laundry. I'm you know there, what I'm, I'm right there. And, uh, and chocolate, there's like a, there's a decidedly milk chocolate overtone to that, which I don't know if that's turning me off or turning me right back on. But, um, regardless, I think that this is going to make its way into, uh, into the old peeper and peeper. I mean, pipe, that's a pipe <laughs> and the old weed peeper, the old the place weed where peeper. I peep weeds. Are you going to, you want to place that down first? No, you go first, to- man. You get, okay. give me that. So, so this is, this is anonymous swag. Is that what, is that what you're smoking Sh- on today? Swag seems mean. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, this one is a man of the wild. If I had to put something to it, this has, this is an outdoor guy. Um, but you know, it means that he's braved something. He's been places and uh, he's got character. Um, and he doesn't, there's no, it doesn't feel like a designer fashion. There are no, sure. There are no swooshes nor little. This men is like on, on you and your back. bro. You and your bro ten years ago called up sixteen people to get some weed, and the seventeenth guy was like, "Yeah, yeah, I got some. Come on down." And this is the nug you got, and it's it's gonna make for a good night. No, and I I gotta I gotta put a stiff stop to that. This is weed handed to you by a buddy with no words exchanged, and it is shocking in its portent. I'm happy about what I got, and it knows what it is. 
and uh, we get and it's 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 we gotta think of a name for this. It's it's like the secret weed handoff. The okay, secret, secret weed, weed handoff. Yeah, the co the the uh, let's call it uh, covert Susan. The covert Susan. Covert Susan. Ooh, that fresh bubble. Get in there. Covert Susan, friends. What do we got on the uh, what do we got on the tongue? Um, very mild. <laughs> very mild. Surprisingly mild. mild. Got gotcha. you. Easy smoking. Um, ooh, it really rises in the in the mouth there at the end. Um, it's like the um, bud light of weed. Yeah, you know what? It tastes like fresh cedar. Like a light, dry cedar. And, and okay. just a hint of lemon in there. That is not offensive at all. And actually, I could probably, I could probably man up to that and, and pack an uncommonly sized Dank Dan bowl. Because, you know, I usually, I usually tread lightly. Uh, dosing, my dude. Our, dosing. It's so important. Especially after the Holy Grail incident. Yeah, don't do that again. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's really, really pleasant. And if I had to take a shot at it so far... I'd say that's probably a sativa dominant. I'm just okay. getting the effects, a little bit of lightness in the in the face and across the forehead, and uh, yeah, I'm enjoying that. That's good stuff. Nice. All right. Well, uh, covert Susan in for the win. Yeah, you know, I had a had a good a good friend um, hit me up with some with some backyard anana weed, which is anonymous weed. Uh, no strain, <laughs> no strain to to be to be said. But he handed right. it to me in a in a glass jar. Um, and you know, I gave it, I gave it a good puffing that evening and exactly as you've kind of described here, super mild, nothing particularly offensive about the flavor, nothing particularly terpy or delicious about it either. But like, you know, it's the kind of thing that you could, you could very casually puff on at the cottage. You know, that's the, that's the feel. As we ride along here, feel a little bit more in the chest and the, the taste that's left in my mouth is like smoked meat. Like smoked like, meat, like 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 if someone s- smoked something with cedar planks, and that is wow, pleasant. I like that smoky meat. Susan's smoked meat. Um, you, I I don't want to underscore the meat too much. It's it's sure. the it's the cedary finish that's there. Yes, you know, you're in a, it's it's Susan's smokehouse. Susan's smokehouse. There we go. Or or maybe just a smoky Susan. Oh, buddy, I love that. Smoky that's, Susan. Oh, that's said by a, a British guy. Uh, would you like some Smoky Susan? Yeah, can we get you some Smoky Susie? Come on over. Uh, uh, smoky Susie. <laughs> smoky oh, Susie. That's how you identify. It's like, uh, sm- like a, somebody who's going to blaze down. You're like, oh, you look like a Smoky Susie to me. Come on over here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very good. good. Yeah, well, tell you what. Go ahead and call up uh, White Rhino on Leafly, and let me give you the play-by-play here. We're, we're there. Hit me with it. Cool. We got a little Sherlock piece here. Um, the ground plant matter, similar thing, man. I got that little bit of tang in there, that little sour gym sock tang with a with a smooth chocolatey overtone. Let's let's get in on the the peep here. You know what's interesting. You know what's interesting is. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. The f- oh man! Buckshot right in the lung, right in the lung. Good lord! <laughs> I was trying to, oh, I was trying to experience that on my palate so long that it hit me right in the lungs. You Ooh. let it linger. 
Yeah, you know that, that was actually a, that was a that was a super complex flavor, and it's hard for me to get in there. A um, little bit of initial, like you know, the smell of a uh, you know the smell of tobacco. You know what I'm talking about when you have a when you have a like a like a tobacco a, smell. Well, I want to go with like a Marlboro. You know that that American faintly cut. faintly cigarry smelling tobacco. That was thick the initial raw tobacco. Yeah, and the initial flavor was that. With, um, uh, you know, the, and when we talk about the sourness, do you know that yeah, I'm getting really specific here, but you know, that, that, uh, that smell of a, of a filtered cigarette, it's almost like the smell of the filter at the end. That's, mm. that's what, that's what the flavor was. And then, um, you know, it, it kind of smoothed out to, um, I, I want to say like a little bit more of a sweeter note. Why don't you go ahead and hit me with Leafly? Cause my, my tongue is confused at the moment. White Rhino is a hybrid of white widow and an unknown North American indica strain. Creating a bushy and stout plant, the bud gives off a strong, heady high. The plant's, the plant's peritonage hails from Afghanistan, Brazil, and India. Peritonage. White rhino is one of the best of marijuana for medical use, since it has such a high THC content. That was okay. White Rhino as read by Jeremy Irons. <laughs> Sorry, who? Jeremy Irons. Oh, Jeremy Irons. There you go. Yeah, peritonage is what I got it there. Peritonage. Peritonage. <laughs> I had to figure uh, well, out how to say that word like Jeremy Irons. And it Jeremy was, Irons. It was, a, it was a leap. It was a trick. Mm-hmm. You had to lean into that one. Got you. So this is a really high THC uh, quantity of weed here. Uh, quantity. <laughs> quantity. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Would you say that it's high potency and we can tell? Yes, there you go. There you go. Why don't you give me the flavor notes because I'm dying to know. I am dying to tell. I leafly uh, assigns this the earthy, sweet, flowery uh, um, flavors, which is, is as if to say this is indeed marijuana. Yeah, earthy, sweet, and flowery covers the whole fucking ball field right there. Shall I read what THC 420 has to say about this as no, Jeremy please. Irons or as Dave? No, as, 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 as uh, I think as Dave from the mini putt. Oh, yeah, man. This is like a very nice strain, woodsy taste. Stands out quite well, like uh, as a hybrid high, leaning both ways, you know, like smoke a couple of hits, gives you a nice sativa feeling buzz when, you know, when smoked in larger amounts, uh, you know, a nice tight couch lock with uh, pressure above around the eyes. Definitely strong medicine, supposedly known as uh, medicine man. Also, what I receive one quarter of a very frosty appearance, a nice sour berry smell, you know, maybe a little thin. <laughs> i gotta give it to you on that one pal <laughs> yeah i think that's sour berries like listen i i obviously i was going as specific as i can because here's the thing about scent it's so tied to like specific memories or specific even emotions at times right so you can smell something and someone else can smell something and you know you can both kind of describe it but it'll take you back to specific moments in time and and so for some reason this white rhino i got that i got that gym sock situation going down i got that you know that's that that smell of uh, herbaceous tobacco ready to be ignited um and i you know i think that tracks reasonably well with i'm sorry who 420 
Um, THC 420. THC 420 with his uh, with his experience there. I could identify with it. But hey, the individual thing that taste and flavor is, is individual. And put that um, on a t-shirt. And I got to say, like, for some of the effects on this, there's euphoric, there's happy, there's tingly. There's also sleepy, headache, dry eyes, and dry mouth. And mm-hmm. what I would add to that, Andy, you let us know how, how many of those you're feeling, is what it should also say is, like, uh, clairvoyance. Because... You searched deep within your heart and knew the voice of the man that wrote this, wrote this review and just handed it to me. <laughs> you just handed it to me. You're like, no, this is the voice. So you did, well, you did pick up some some telepathy. Off this was I Hubbard. was I clairvoyant or were you just finding your inner spirit animal to channel the uh, channel the notes of our good man THC 420? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love a guy. That like he's a barista. He's like our friend Dave at the penny, the, the the mini putt. And when you order a coffee from him, he acts like it was you had the first idea to order that coffee ever. You're like, <laughs> you're like, um, I'll take the dark roast, like uh, black. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just. Yeah, that's exactly good. Yeah, good call, man. That's the kind of guy that I want to see all day. It's like Hip. he he's he's the guy he's the guy that convinces you you're giving out your greatest hits right now. You know what I mean? He calls out the greatness in you, and I appreciate that about you, right. Dave. Right, you rise to achieve um, with with this optimistic barista, and the only thing that can ruin it is his friend Liette, who's oh, going to give you yeah. trouble about how you pronounce latkes. Mm, boy well leave that one in the dust later liet how about yourself so so i will say i will say this white rhino is uh, let me agree with you thc 420 this is some strong medicine dude um it's got a little bit of a you know it comes on quick comes on hard and it's ephemeral it kind of kind of bleeds in at the edges of your uh, of your vision and and convinces you that you're you know settling into a warm bath but at the same time keeping you very alert and awake so it's it's quite potent i would say nice nice i might have to i might have to uh, uh do a drive-by on white rhino and that yeah, is no a comment on poaching which i am vehemently against yes um, unless you're talking eggs which in that case two please let me tell you about something about poaching eggs always use vinegar keeps those suckers nice and firm toit toit like a the vinegar is the performance enhancing drug of the poaching world a thousand percent right it's 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 your it's your cheat that's because listen, you can do it the other way, but there's no reason to after you've added vinegar. Why would you? Why would um, you? What do you got for the munchie today, my man? I have a whole bag of Werther's Originals or caramel hard candies. Oh man, uh, this should this podcast needs to uh, the title we need to include the word Nan because we featured like um, uh, an herb garden Werther's Originals, and I think also something else. That yeah. a, a lovely elderly woman would would she'd be like this is my podcast I'd sure uh, the daytime television man. what's that daytime television uh, we'll talk about that it. later she, 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 loves she it. wants to watch Jeopardy that's it yeah Jeopardy, Jeopardy. something she doesn't like when Maury comes on she's uh, she's away she's making scones at that point because she just can't stand that fucking clown I feel like you said Mamori which is like the dark version of Maury he's all gothed out and, and he does have occult ties. It's the JRPG on, version of Mori Povich. He comes on right after Mori. And you can tell while Mori's broadcasting, he's scared about that. He's, yeah, 100%. So Werther's Original, one of my favorite candies of all time, made with real butter and fresh cream, petrified into a hard, 
caramel form. Um, it's Amen. <laughs> you know, uh, one of these pieces, only 20 calories. So like I could sit here and eat five Werther's original and pretty much be okay. That's like, that's like a stern hundred calorie snack. So listen, Werther's original, not the worst choice when you got the munchies and you want to get going despite the, um, the absolute cascade of sugar entering your blood. Uh, let me see here. Quick, uh, quick thought from the Werther's original bag. A long time ago, in the small European village of Werther, candy maker Gustav Nebel created his finest candy. <laughs> uh, Gustav, you know, to me, I love this, but Werther's is not something you pick up when you have the munchies. No. Werther's is something you pick up when you have some time yeah no kidding that's you know, exactly the case it's it's like I'm, I'm about to i'm about to suckle gingerly on this candy and it's going to take a long time to get to flavor town you know what i'm saying i do know what you're saying to get that raw sugar into your bloodstream and that's what that's what you need at a mm. certain age and an unbitten an unbitten worthers mm -hmm. like let's say if you have five worthers what you really have is one and a half hours <laughs> That's really funny, buddy, because <laughs> it's so and, true. In it terms takes of a so long to get one of these, and like watching the world pass, candy, it's got your spot. Are, listen, there. you need to keep some kids off your lawn. Mm -hmm. Try a Werther's. Try a Werther's. In fact, I believe that once you reach a certain age, you can only mark the passing of time by Werther's. That's how you. That's how you say it. I'm four Werther's o'clock, sir. Time for lunch. Mm. Um, I. It's like, did your. Did your cardiologist say no more Marlboros? No more Marlboros? Reach for a Werther's. It won't give you a stroke. <laughs> so it's like I gotta remove my mouth from this situation. Yeah, this is this is podcast death, the crunching of Werther's. Mmm. So good though. It's like I'm I'm really far away from the mic now, so it's like mmm. <laughs> It's like, this is one of those moments where you got to hand it to Andy, a man who is able to turn what is intended to take you 10 minutes to finish, bite into it like it's a pepperette, and just have that sugar, hard rock shatter like glass in his mouth. And not like, a don't good, worry. No. Don't worry. I'm not going to do this the way it's intended. I'm going to crunch down on it, which means one thing and one thing only. There is now caramel deeply rooted in into the ca the spatial areas of your teeth. Oh, buddy, you are you are singing my brain song right now. I am regretting every second of chewing on that Werther's. Here's the thing about a Werther's: it's my gums with your fingers. <laughs> Werther's tastes so good, even while it's causing you intense discomfort. Yeah, as right. like a cost-benefit analysis, you're still coming out on top. You're but still there ahead. Is blood coming out of your gums. There are repercussions. Um, so let me just say, not a great munchy food because I want to go back for another Werther right now, but I'm afraid that by the time I crunch through the second one, 30 seconds in after I get uh, annoyed with how long it's taking to get sugar, I'm going to end up with a severed tongue. Mm. How mm -hmm. about yourself, my man? What'd you bring for the mm -hmm. snack today? Mm-hmm. Um. You know, doubling down on our, our 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 healthy bonanza, I have brought a Clifford bar to the party. Oh, Cliff bar! Almond fudge. So, I mean, can we really call that healthy? Well, you know what? Done correctly, chocolate is extremely healthy, right? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. if it's nice dark chocolate. You got cacao in it. Um, almonds, uh, high in protein. Got some nice soluble fats in there. And I mean. What I like about marketing is, 
dude, fudge is another name for chocolate. And I see the trick that you tried to pull on me there, business, and I like it. Because everybody, you don't want two things. You want three things. Am I right? You're right. And you that know? was a, yeah, that was a great, uh, great description. And you're going to have to take us on the pleasure journey here because right now I've popped in another Werther's and I'm going to be a couple minutes. Um, this is the part of the podcast that it starts to sound like we're talking about sex stuff. So we start using some ASMR voices and talking about popping pleasure in our mouth. Uh, oh, <laughs> fuck. It hurts so much. Man down. That's so good. Mm. Andy, we're going to have to have a, a, a sugar candy-based intervention. So oh, God. I, I love so the Cliff Bar because, Andy, I didn't just get a Cliff Bar. I got a couple cases. And on this case, there is a delightful story that um, enumerates Gary and Clifford, father and son, making uh, this, and regales you of the story of them making the Cliff Bar in 1990, their garage. I'm glad that's what they were making in their garage. Dogs, skis, climbing gear, bicycle, singular somehow, and two trumpets. Two trumpets, one bicycle. What's going on? <laughs> Is that the name of this episode? Anyway. Uh, two trumpets, had, one bicycle. These, this trumpeted bicycled garage gave them the inspiration to create an energy bar occurring after a day-long 175-mile ride with my buddy Jay. Shout out to Jay. We've been gnawing on some other, in quotes, energy bars. Suddenly, despite my hunger, I couldn't take another bite. (laughs) That's the moment I call the epiphany, also in quotation. Two years later. (laughs) Oh, bro, please. (laughs) It's like a small fucking novella on the side of the cliff bar. Two years later. Fast forward two years. (laughs) After countless hours in mom's kitchen, cliff bar became a reality and yeah. the mission to create better tasting energy was accomplished nice uh, about their rise to fame and glory now jay has got to be thinking shouldn't this motherfucker be called jay bar yeah as i ha- i fathered the epiphany and he's like father the epiphany my dad's name's cliff let's call it a cliff bar which is one of those one of those two guys a better marketer and i think now, it was a young it lad was, well, here, look at it this way. If it was during the weed rush of the present day and not 1990, they would have called it the J bar because you smoke a J yeah. and you nom on this bar. But uh, they're like, they, let's do the second best thing. Uh, tell, let's base it on outdoorsy rock climbing and the J thing will just be implied. There you go. I like it. Speaking of Jay, um, Jack in the Box. This is fucking real cool. Jack in the Box, the American burger chain. I've never had a Jack in the Box burger, but I'm sure it's delicious. Has actually partnered up with... Andy, I've had a Jill in the Box. Hmm. No? Okay. Uh, (laughs) I just... Um... Jack, <laughs> Jack in the box. Your transition was so good, I couldn't let it's it stand. But you came out of the fucking dust with a howitzer. You just right howitzer. down, just nailed me to the ground. Please continue. Um, so Jack in the Box has actually done a partnership, which is it's a big deal. It's a major na- national, I think it's national, burger chain in the United States of America. They have done a collaboration with Mary Jane. The right. pub, yeah, Mary Jane, the publication, the very, very cool, very informative, um, pardon me, uh, online weed publication yes, that, yes. 
That's the, <laughs> from which I get all of my cannabis information. Anyway, they've done a little collaboration. They've created uh, like a special meal. I guess it's called the Munchie Box. And right. there's actually like a 420, like stoner-esque cartoon that goes along with this thing. Or not cartoon, God a, a commercial them. that goes along with them, which These is crazy. Sweet angels. Yeah, no kidding. It comes with three chicken strips, I think uh, some churros, you get a taco in there, uh, and there's also half fries, half onion rings, along with a soda. And I got to say, America, you're doing it right. That's what Dave at the Mini Putt orders for lunch. Can I get like some chicken strips and a, a churro <laughs> and like uh, two pieces of toast and like a uh, open-faced peanut butter sandwich with like three <laughs> Oreos and some milk? <laughs> Listen, man, he's uh, he's a man of variety. He likes many things all at once. He's, you know what? He's the type of guy that, uh, you know, he's like, oh, man, you ate your burrito. Looks like you got a little bit of life on your face there. That's what you're doing, buddy. Experiencing life. Eating a churro for breakfast. Oh, yeah. Churro followed by taco. And I think that's the nice thing about weed is it definitely opens you up to new experiences, man. Um, and, you know, specifically new foods. I find that I'm far more willing to uh, to experiment with tasting new things, going out of my comfort zone, um, you know, when I've consumed cannabis. And that's a cool thing, right? Right, like, right, right. Andy, you quick know the, question. Sure. When you um, tried that cronut at the CNE, was that the part of your rich food experience on, so on the, the Sweet Mary J? No. So the cronut was a fucking croissant bun with a bacon jelly burger inside covered in powdered sugar uh, and cheese. And um, you know, this is a, the, the CNE, the Canadian National Exhibition, is the place where all the weird food vendors show up. And, you know, it's, it's all publicized. Yeah, for sure. Dank Dan and I were actually there together. I ordered the cronut and I was there early. So one of the local news channels was like, hey, let's interview you while you're eating the cronut. I was like, I'm getting my 30 seconds of fame here. This is incredible. It's happening. I'm gonna, it's this happening. is my moment. This is my moment. This is going in my resume and then to my mom and not in that order. And then, um, you know, what ended up happening was not five hours later everyone started getting food poisoning from eating the cronut to the this point where specific cronut this shop. specific cronut well i mean there's no other cronut shop it's the cronut but everyone was getting sick there was just you know violent vomiting and diarrhea going on all over the city from people who had consumed the cronut i guess there was some sort of bacteria in the bacon jelly it's always in the fucking bacon jelly folks well you and, can't um, just mix bacon and jelly and then set it on a it's not natural for three hot days in the summer what you've done is an abomination that is not crime, natural sir yep get take it home uh anyhow so in that 12-hour news cycle I had gone from having my, you know, 30 seconds of fame in the spotlight to every story being about the chronote giving the town of uh, Toronto the shits. So, so literally, we have a man, Andy, resplendently giving it his all on, you know, the Channel 5 News about how great this chronote is. And and he's selling the chronote, like the flavor journeys that you hear him walk us through on the weed, that's happening on the chronote level. That's the A roll the first time it was rolled, and it was like a fluff piece about the CNE. Cut to literally <laughs> three hours they, later. They took my 16-minute interview and threw it threw it in the trash immediately. <laughs> a 16, then like a, a, a 45 to a, three hours later, cut to uh, warning in the CNE, and it cuts to like people doubled over holding their thing, and oh, then like, yeah. and you just bombing this, ambitiously eating this cronut, and like a slow X falls onto your face. No, more cronut. 
Don't eat it, you'll die. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, To be fair, it was was a pretty gnarly situation for everyone else. I, uh, having a stomach of iron and... um, Unaffected. yeah, the hellfires of uh, the hellfires of fury within my with my stomach. Uh, I was able to brave the cronut storm and come back the next day looking for a cronut. Unfortunately, they had shut down the stand. You so. sent it to Gastric Fort Knox. Threw that guy into orbit. And then you said, "Hey, I'm ready for another pussy." Mm-hmm. There you go. All right. So, uh, listen, I want to move to the post-hash game because I had so much fun with you last week trying to figure out those uh, <laughs> those 12 questions that we're going to do the same thing this week. So, You masked I have, your pain so well. Eh? Uh, I'm proud of you. Listen, man, I guess you get, sometimes you got to plug the bleeding. Um, with this 12 questions game, I'm going to come up with something vi- something video game related. I'm going to give you a rough indicator of what it is, and you have 12 questions, any questions you like, to suss out the secret topic in my brain. Are you ready, Daniel? I am prepared, Alex. Daniel of the Dank. Here we go. This is clothing worn by a video game character. Okay, great. Is this clothing protective? Yes. Is it futuristic? Yes. Um, Did the character obtain it very early in his journey? Yes. Is this his default equipment? Yes. Okay. Okay. Feel good. Feel good. Eight questions left. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um... Did I ask if it was technologically advanced? You have not yet, but you've been hitting it pretty... Man, you've been hitting it pretty fucking on the nose here. (laughs) I'm pretty upset about this so far because I was nowhere close by by this this phase last time. You put put your questions in reverse. You asked four excellent questions last round, but at the end, which is... (laughs) It's rough. It's rough. It's a tough time. But yes, you're you're, uh, you're four for four. You got eight questions remaining. Go ahead. So it's futuristic. Um... Is this suit part of a ju- their job? Yes, it is. Um, did they create the suit or did, did they create the suit? Don't know. Don't know. Okay, so I get that one back. Um, Seven questions remaining. It, they, uh, I got the questions. I'm on you, buddy. I'm there. Um, it, 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 is this, is this uh, outfits, this, this protective technical unit is it worn at all times like it does it make an appearance in every one of their yes. entries okay i already feel like i know it but i'm gonna just play with it a little bit um could you easily sub in the character of ridley uh, ridley scott or ripley from the aliens into this person's life and it would like work i've never seen aliens okay piece of garbage we'll just put a pin in that we'll talk about movies later six um, questions remaining you no. If you've never seen a movie, I get that back. Oh yeah, that is six. Um, gotcha. Does this suit have offensive capabilities? No. Uh oh. Uh oh. I'm off. I'm off kilter on this thing now. You just, my are. My world just got blown up. Mm, you're in the shitverse. I'm in the shitverse. Um, let's just deal with a whole group of uh uh 
stuff. Is it robotic in a way? Could it be considered a robot's suit in a way, like even by the loosest? You know, hyper futuristic, really challenging for me to call. I don't know what you would consider a robot suit. It's not like a mechanical exoskeleton, if that's what you're asking. Um, but it, you know, it's it's futuristic. So you know, there's a, mi- a million and one ways I could interpret that. Um, is this character a video game's first appearance? Like he is a video game, or she is a video game character? Y- yes. Oh, yeah. Predominantly, yes. Do- video game dominant. Dominant. Gotcha. Um, Three questions remaining. A, predominantly worn by a male. Yes. Two. Oh, we need some intense music. Letting oh, some man. pictures sort of fall into my head on this one. Oh, buddy, I'm putting in some intense... Oh, the edit so, is going to be so beautiful. First, that means it's not Darth Vader as much as I want it to be. Um, I thought offensive capabilities... I thought it was going to be Metroid or Mega Man, but those have events, offensive capabilities as suits. And I was mm-hmm. banking on Metroid, my dude. You thought I was going Samus Aran. I did. But she's not always on the brain. Just mostly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Two more questions. I know it's not now. I'm not getting a strong feeling of who it is. Late, uh, we said dudes, right? Dudes in protective suit gear. Of a futuristic nature. Of a futuristic nature that they, f- they found early. We determined they didn't make it, right? Cur- like handcrafted? That they didn't make it themselves. I- I- we took that back because I'm not, I'm not certain. Ooh, yeah, I had a couple, a couple some whiffs there. Uh, I feel the pressure, got to be honest. But I know I yep. have to forge ahead. Um, mm-hmm. uh, originating in an old school game, is it? Uh, ooh, no, uh, that's a tough one, man. What do you mean old school game? <sighs> so you know it's not definitely old school. Let me give you the era. Let me give you the era give where it first, first debuted, early 2000s. One question remaining. Wow, that's a toughie. Is it a yep. Nintendo title? It is not a Nintendo title. All right, my friend, we are at the end of 12 questions. Now, 12 questions, way harder than 20 questions, in my humble opinion. Way um, harder. So much harder. And uh, I and should I, have asked if it had stealth capabilities to eliminate mm, what my guess is. There's a lot there. There's a lot there. You know what? I think we're gonna make it. I think we're gonna make it 20 questions. Let me give you another. Let me give you another eight because no, I feel like there's just I no way. Come, I want. I know. I think you did some bonus questions on yours, but I just feel like. Do we make it 15 close, questions? Maybe it's 15 for the next one. But for this one, I'm gonna make my guess. Is this Gray Fox, a.k.a. Cyborg Ninja, uh, a.k.a. Deep Throat from the Metal Gear Solid? No. Ninja robotic suit. I wish I could say yes, because that's such a great example. But it was actually Mm. Master Chief's armor. I'm sorry, Dank Dan. Uh, You go ahead and join us again next week for another edition of 12, maybe 15, maybe 20 questions. Yes. Fuck. What, What were the questions that you didn't know? The, did he make his armor himself? And you know, I, I would say no. I'm pretty no. sure it was it was provided by the UNSC. I want to say percent, a hundred percent. But I didn't know. Maybe there was some origin story of uh, you know Master Chief forging his armor or some shit. I don't know. I feel you doing me right on that one. And with that level of certainty, I feel comfortable me saying no. You think this was standard issue? 
Yes. Standard issue would have been a good tip. A good tip. Because yes. here's the thing about 12 questions. I want you to get there, Dan. I yeah. want to give the big reveal at the end, but I just couldn't give it to you this time. Do you understand? You want, you want to get me off with your complicated query and my investigative skills. I get that. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Good round. Uh, good round. Yeah, good zero round, man. Piece. Zero zero, piece for zero 12 questions. O for O for O for 12 <laughs> questions. One for one for 20 questions. We'll find the middle ground somewhere, I'm sure. Yeah, I think you're right. Let's so, uh, let's cruise it onto the back nine. Dude, can I tell you something? Nintendo came out with the most confusing, interesting and strange announcement yesterday. Uh, it was the Nintendo Labo. Labo. Get that, get that cardboard out. Get the, uh, yeah, get the cardboard out. DIY cardboard accessories that can transform the Switch's Joy-Con controllers into anything from a fishing rod to a piano to a full-on robot suit. I have no idea how to feel about this. So let me get this straight. This is a peripheral that transforms your controller and your operating system in various ways into different different other multipurpose peripherals and the only uh, ingredients I need is cardboard and a box cutter? Like, what's the deal? Uh, yeah, I, I'd be honest with you. I don't know. Like, I'm looking at these photos. I'm looking at the video. It's all very interesting. You've got these quite elaborate cardboard contraptions. It's like I'm looking at a fishing rod right now wielded by a young man. And yeah. uh, and this thing is uh, is is impressive. You know, it looks like it requires some adult assembly, but you know, that's just, it doesn't, I don't think that's the case. I think it's specifically meant to be easy to put together. And like, you know, I've got another little photo here again of a quite young, young lady playing on a piano. It's a cardboard piano. I mean, man, I couldn't make this, this piano with like four hours and every, every tool known to, you know, your, your standard male over 30. This is like, this is crazy shit. I, Saw the piano. I was like, what? And I, I understand you can buy these from Nintendo, but like just a good guy, Nintendo, Mr. Shigeru Miyamoto or, I, or whoever, that's the picture I think of. That's the person I think of when I think of Nintendo. They're like, we're going to give you the patterns. We're going to make the patterns available so you can make it with your own cardboard. cardboard. Don't you like it when a, a, a company is committed to creativity and fun? And they are in such an intense way. And I actually love this about Nintendo is, you know, the Switch comes out and it's funny because the Wii came out and it was gimmicky and the Switch came out, to be fair, still gimmicky. But I feel like the Switch's gimmicky was so well taken that it's no longer gimmicky. And the Wii, you know, was just such a mixed review kind of platform that today we all still consider it a, a gimmick or I can't speak for everybody, but I'm pretty sure that's the vernacular. And so... Yeah. It's it's neat because despite despite being known for maybe creating some more gimmicky products out there, um, and this is definitely one of those. Nintendo loves taking those chances. It's like right. their it's their thing. They want to push the right. fucking envelope every time. Yes, and when you take chances, sometimes you find glory. Sometimes you hit home runs. Yes, 
Yeah, man. Yes, and you the, do. And listen, here's the thing. I've, you know, there's been some chatter. Is it a little bit too expensive? I don't think so. It's the same price, I believe, as a regularly priced game. In fact, maybe a little less expensive. To me, I saw this thing and I actually thought it was going to be more around the $100 price point. So I'm, I'm very comfortable with, you know, the price point here. Um, but I've heard a lot of folks you know, kind of wondering what on earth or who on earth this is targeted to. I genuinely think that this is specifically for younger people. I think that this is for, you know, um, bridging the gap between the physical and the digital, something you can do with dad. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, that, uh, that, that ends up being a fun DIY craft and also a video game experience at the same time. Bravo Nintendo. Great. What a great way to introduce like a tradition of gaming and like that's what we have man like we we have a tradition of gaming that we foster you know and it's a special thing and you want to hand that off to people and see the next generation love and fall in love with games like you have for two reasons to share that light and to make sure that the guys and gals behind us are keeping the spirit of what gaming is in our heart of hearts alive because yeah. i think otherwise what we get is some over-monetized, loot-box-to-hell, uh, subscription-based horse hockey that just ruins what's happening. And I got to say, Nintendo lost my heart for a while. And I don't know if it's just where I was in my life or I was playing something else or whatever, but every, everything after the 64 just didn't land with me. And I got to say, I'm back. I think I'm back on the bandwagon. Yeah, and, yeah. And there's going to be a Switch making an appearance uh, on inside and within my entertainment unit, and I don't care who knows it. Yeah, I feel you on that one. And I was in a similar position, man. Like the GameCube never grabbed me. The Wii was not my platform. You know, the Wii U again, not for me. Um, and the Switch now feels like it wants to be that. It, it's like it's like meeting an old friend from childhood. You know what I'm saying? I don't mean to be sappy, but you know, you run into someone and you you start hanging out with them again, and you're like, oh man, I remember these innocent times of yore. And that's uh, you know, that's what I think that this product is helping everybody capture. Right. You're like, oh yeah, Brad, you're pretty dope. I forgot about how dope you were. And yeah. if he's not doing what he was doing in high school, he's stepped forward with it. So it's still the spirit, like because the Nintendo spirit is alive in what you're seeing. And it's like, it's picked up a lot. And I love a company that has enough endurance financially and as a brand and has built up enough trust to make a couple, you know, like a so-so and a couple missteps, but like clearly be made better by it. And just remain committed to the, uh, you know, to the ideology that's at their core, which I think that they do. Again, good, bad, successful release, unsuccessful release. Nintendo's committed to fun and it doesn't matter that it's a little bit more of a family geared fun. It doesn't have to be edgy. It doesn't have to be no. crazy. It can no. be. Uh, it can be what it is. It can be what they're committed to. People smiling, having a good old time. Make it fun. My only request after this Nintendo stroke session. Hey guys, do me a favor. It's just me and you, Nintendo guys. Come close. We're friends. We're friends. Stop. Stop suing streamers that are playing your game. Don't do that. Don't do that anymore. Let those That's people enough. do that thing. Yep. Go ahead. That's enough. They're help. They're helping you. Don't. Yeah. Don't do this. <laughs> I love you. Don't do this. This is a safe space. Never do that again. Yes. We're friends. There you go. Let's 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 put this to bed. I love you, Nintendo. Goodbye. Yep. There you go. Thanks, everybody <laughs> at Nintendo. You can you can crawl back up into the ivory castle in which you live. Grab a scone on the way out. Yeah, please. Get a blueberry. It's in the green room. Have a the, cliff uh, bar. 
Mm, go on out. Let me ask you a question, Dan. Um, yeah. Are you uh, so? Listen, I, I, there was actually an article I read. Uh, I think Kotaku a couple weeks ago, um, and the title was "In the Destiny Merry-Go-Round Spins Again." And I'm kind of I've been wondering about this since I read it because I know that you're you're probably the biggest Destiny fan that I know, or you have been in the past. That's and correct. The, yeah, the, the the thrust, there's that word again, the thrust of the article is that, um, you know, Destiny 2 was pitched as this, or at least was absorbed by the uh, the common hive mind as this, um, this second chance for Bungie to not make the same mistakes they made in the first game. Destiny, and I was there at the launch of Destiny, you know, you were too, we both jumped into that game hard and I fell off it, you didn't, similar to this time around. Um you know, Destiny objectively took a long time to uh, you know to to get its legs. It was by the time of what second or third DLC pack that people really gripped onto it and, and started to talk about it as anything other than a disappointment. Is am I remember am I remembering correctly? Quick, fast, high. You know, people liked it when it landed, and then what it does is it starts to disappoint as it lets off the gas as a game. So at the ten hour point, you are at the ceiling with enjoyment or somewhere near to it if this is at all your cup of tea and then at hour 20 you're half excited and hour 30 you're just like what am it's i it's like doing? the degradation of nuclear waste yes yes there you go um but so here's the thing I, I know a lot of folks myself included um again the common language on on the web before destiny 2 the web Please the world the wide wide web, web on the internets. <laughs> the, the, the common language on the internet was that you know Destiny Two was this opportunity for Bungie to not make the same mistakes it made the first time around to you know ensure that there was uh, enough of diversity at Endgame to to retain folks um, to ensure that you know the raids that were coming out were uh, engaging and fun on a week to week basis and and that you know there was enough variety there to keep people stuck in in the same way that they got stuck in in World of Warcraft or whatever, right? Um, and so, you know, here, here's my question, because from the outside looking in, again, I have the game, I haven't played a ton of it. It feels like this Destiny is rolling out in a similar way to the, the past one. Um, does, does this Destiny feel different to you at all? Does it feel the same? Uh, with zero basis of experience, um, Destiny 1 is like the first woman you divorced. Things didn't go entirely correct. You guys had the best intentions. It was true love at the beginning. Destiny 2 is your third wife. There is a little bit of uh, malice going in. And <laughs> what's happened is you've made the same, the, the same mistakes may have been made, some echoes of those early mistakes, but these had some duplicity and some machinations behind them. They weren't honest mistakes. They were calculated moves and then repeated similar calculating moves. And dropping out of this metaphor, we're, we're talking about a burst of content good game but this one is following the beats uh not taking no chances you know yeah the opposite of what we just talked about nintendo totally afraid to take chances and in fact the only chances they're going to take is on manipulating players to play by holding back content and then their expansion is actually a contraction if you don't buy the expansion previously playable content is gone um and then you know all these little these little secrets that come out. We've been manipulating the experience. Oh, we're sorry. We'll put the experience back. And then, um, you know, most recently, a similar sort of type of thing. Um, there in Destiny, something called faction rallies. You pledge to one of the three factions. You do events and get tokens. Yeah. 
for those factions. And the winner of that faction rally, like the weekend or the week, I forget what the week, um, gets a, a special faction weapon. And um, whatever faction wins, their weapon is the weapon for that week. And the guys on the faction get it for free or very little money, like a thousand. And the you could buy that faction weapon on out of faction it costs you fifty. How many fucking factions can we throw into this conversation? Fa 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 faction. Faction. Yeah, and, man. Yeah. Go sorry. ahead. Uh, no, and please. W- so the what happens is two things. There, there's also a bunch of faction weapons that you can pick up while doing the things. Well, Bungie quietly has not put in the new expansion faction items that they said were going to be there. It's supposed to be fifteen new faction weapons. There were none in this one. And they're like, oh, people have noticed there are none in this release that were supposed to be there. Yeah, that we know that. And in the next one, it's going to be four, not all 15. And then right. four more. And then we find out the faction tokens are being throttled. Um, they, as you do activities, you get less and less of them. And there's a total that you can, you can turn in for the, the uh, equivalent of 30 loot boxes. And then that right. gets, has a, gun, a weapon, and then you're cut off from that. So that all these insidious little things that are doing do nothing but to try and sort of artificially block the player from getting all the stuff or progressing through it. And what it feels like is you're trying to draw an experience out, of, out over a longer period of time so you can deliver a game at a rate that's profitable, profitable and that in, in, uh, encourages buying loot boxes. Um, so, what so but, but this, this is what I'm not understanding, though. Okay, so right. let me just jump in here real quick. So, Please. you know, what, what you've talked about is is some, you know, some um, back-end controversy about what was, I, you know, uh, how can I put it, misrepresented or, or not communicated clearly to the player base. Yeah, and no then there's transparency. Some, yep. Sure, and then there's some stuff on the, on the other hand that feels like it was intentionally omitted or that it was, um, uh, let's call it, uh, neglectful to omit those things. And so, you know, both of those things sound crappy, but do they call back to the first destiny or is this just a different situation altogether? I mean, the, 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 the echoes are there, right? Um, it's a game that specifically is, is trying to create and then encourage and reinforce a profit stream. Um, but and does 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 the does the actual uh, experience benefit? Like I, I don't understand what loot ba- what uh, loot boxes are doing in Destiny Two right now. Um, they 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 drop items, they drop shaders, they drop custom right. uh, looks, they drop. So it's more leaders. than cosmetic shit. Then there's they there's drop, some other stuff in there. XP boosters. They drop a new booster that drops that that um, increases your drop rate in the party for items for rare drops. There's some stuff. Yeah. And from that, anything that artificially clocks down advancement, like um, what they were kind of caught for doing, is uh, as you uh, got levels and you get bright charge shards, which give you items from the Eververse, which is where you also buy loot boxes. It's just so same. much, you, it's, so much vernacular, man. It's crazy. Yeah. There's so many like so, terms. Yeah, there's a there's a vendor that basically, as you level up, you can turn it in for these turn-ins that you can also pay money for. And if I can get one in an hour, I should be able to get one more in the next hour. Well, the way they set it up is by hour five, you're getting one one hundredth of, of the experience. Right. So as yeah. to say, if you're grinding for uh, rewards, they go. If you want more, please pull out your wallet. Thank you. And right. there's an argument as developers saying, oh, we want to protect the economy. And that's all altruistic if nobody's making money off that economy in real life. 
And in this case, that makes them a little bit uh, questioned in this, you know, because they, there is a, a notable benefit for them to behave in a certain way. And I also take umbrage when you give yourself some grease, a little bit of grease in the system, but you don't let the players trade with each other or sell anything. You're like, yeah. nah, just us. Well, Just and like, like, here's the thing, you know, whether the game is monetizing or not, or, or, you know, if it's doing so in an annoying way or in a, um, in a, in a way that's permissible, you know, what I'm, what I'm really curious about is, does it feel necessary to progress? Whether it was obscured, I know that, I know that there was that whole fiasco about them obscure, obscuring the amount of reward that you're getting over time. There was diminishing returns that weren't clear. And in fact, were obfuscated, which is a terrible word, but obfuscated from the player, um, yeah. Right, but but in the in the outside of that whole thing going on right now, does it feel like you need to purchase loot loot boxes to make any meaningful pro- or progress in the game, or or is you know where is that at? Let me put a fine head on it. Once you've hit level twenty, which you get by finishing the storyline, so after the end of the storyline, you're level twenty. After level twenty, and you've completed all the content, which arguably there's there's a fair amount of content if you want to do all the on Earth strike missions there there is some content that if you really want to dive into but you did the main storyline you did all the strikes you did the raid why are you still playing um other than say you you like the gameplay or you're into pvp um it's i think largely you want to collect all the armor and all the weapons um you know and to have that because a lot of it is buying everything they give you like a 200 space bank for a reason um, because you get all the weapons and the drops and the, you want all the armor and you want to complete the set and try out because different weapons mean a different play style. So you want to try them all uh, and get that experience. Now, it, if that's why you're staying, and I, I would argue that any of the players that stay past the first couple weeks after an expansion drop when you cleared all the content, it's to collect all that stuff and get all the fancy ships and all that stuff. And so... If you're artificially drawing that out and creating a pay barrier and making it hard to get there, you're 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 in some way manipulating that experience. And I'd say for the worse. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say for the worse. And I think it's I think it's a little bit um, little bit exploitive and artificial. And uh, you know, you you can you're never angry at getting more rewards as a player. You take a game. Somebody on YouTube said this, and I'm going to repeat it. You take a game that's about looting and shooting. And you make each less fun, like that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Like that's you're 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 working against the feeling you're trying to create for dollar bills. Yeah, I got you, man. It's just like that feeling that you're trying to create. I guess what I'm here's the thing: is Destiny Two just too difficult of a balancing act? Is it too challenging for them to get you know a mix between that progressive gear based um, loot treadmill? Um, versus the amount of content they could reasonably be expected to create, you know, versus people's desire to play other game modes or just enjoy the content for what it is without worrying about that loot ladder. And it's like, do too, do too many people want too many different things for them to actually achieve that? Right. I, I mean, like it's in some ways it's an MMO. In some ways it's a competitive shooter. 
You know, uh, do people want it to feel like more like an MMO, like an open world experience, like a like a traditional loot treadmill? Are they looking more for a lobby game where you're getting in and you're just you know you're 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 dealing with the experience of the strike or you know of the PvP match, whatever the Crucible? Um, those are two kind of polar opposite things, right? The lobby game versus the MMO. The MMO is more focused on gear. The lobby game is more focused on experience. And um, you know, you layer this this kind of la- layer of of competitiveness over top of it, it's a little bit confused as to what that end game really should be and incentivizing it with either, you know, um, quicker progression with loot boxes. You know, you could say that that the, the looting part of the game isn't the main part of it. The, the main part of it is the experiential part of it. And, you know, incentivizing or giving more ways to, to enjoy that experiential part of it via loot boxes or whatever aren't necessarily you know, drawing out the part of the game that's supposed to be enjoyable into something that, uh, that isn't. I, you know, I get what you're saying, but, and at, at, at its core, I think that the gear, the getting of gears is an elementary part of the game they laid out. And at some point it's so core to the experience. Once the story is done, once you're through the experiential part and it's the, it's the offer to stay, come for the story you know, hang out for the multi the multiplayer and you know the the crucible, the PvP, and stay for the loot journey. Mm-hmm. And you know, I here's my solution, and I'll, I'll throw it out there because we're doing a lot of griping. Take off any artificial slowdowns. If you want, you make the the ratio of gaining stuff flat. You know, always. You shouldn't get less the more the more you play ever. And when for the the, the buying of drops from either Faction or the Iron Banner, which is a PvP events, instead of making it, you roll the dice every time you open up a reward package and hope you get the thing that you want, give me tokens or materials to buy those things from the vendor. I see. What are you trying to replicate? The feeling that, uh, you know, uh, Lord Salazar, the banner lord, is just reaching behind him and throwing at me whatever gear he happens to put his hand on. That's not how this is done, sir. <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah, you know? I mean, it's it's like, but you know, but I, just, I don't. You know, let let me be able to look at a thing. And go, hey, I right. can get all this stuff if I want to with a fixed amount of effort, and it feels like steady progression rather than you know getting your fiftieth duplicate in a row and just being like, well, I hate this. Yeah, no, no, and I get that. And to me, you know, it's it is those MMO elements and that gear treadmill that actually attracted me to Destiny in the first place. It just, I feel like it's going to be hard for these guys to get that feeling right. You know, um, it. I don't know. There's this. There's this lobby side of the uh, of the game this kind of jump in and do some stuff with your friends you know from a menu feel that um that you know makes me think that some people want that and some people want the mmo experience and i don't know that those two things marry too well together there's three classes all fun to play and my argument would be if you made the gear system better and you stop putting your hand on the scale in terms of advancement people will play your game more yeah. Because they would have three characters. Andy, I, 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 I play a hunter. I've, I've got two other characters made. And I couldn't muster the, the, the chutzpah to play them for that reason. And I would. Right. You know? And that, but that's just that's one man's experience. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So 
the only the last thing that I would say about Destiny Two is like the the one thing that that again takes me away from that loot treadmill, that MMO progression style um, that you know you, we, we're talking about here, is that. Destiny seems to have a pretty finite ceiling for character investment, and that's when the new Destiny comes out. You know, you think of MMOs, and there's often a a, you know a hard reset. For example, when a when a uh, an expansion drops, and all of a sudden you're going through whatever another ten levels, another regetting all of your gear and whatever, and you could almost say that that's restarting, that's pushing the reset button. But truly, when you're when you're moving from Destiny One to Destiny Two, you're really starting a brand new game, really with a brand new character, and that puts a damper a little bit on the progressive nature of like an MMO game. Um, Does that make Excuse me, my throat is on fire. Does that make Destiny a little less appealing to be investing all this time into and to keep jumping on the loot treadmill if you know the Destiny 3 is probably, you know, a couple years out? Um, and at that point, you'll be starting all over from scratch. You know, it's like each game is a building. And when you start a building, you kind of want permission to um, start from the ground up to keep so you have the opportunity to keep what you like and leave behind what you think didn't work right. as well. And I liked that. Now, I also like a nod that, you know, gives you some recognition to what you did in the the previous game and and Destiny wanted to accomplish that because as you you remember when you sign in it goes through your achievements in the previous game. Right, that and is cool. When you did it and who was there? And there appears there's a screenshot with those people there, which is rad. Yeah, they really I did do it. Yeah, I actually texted you. I remember when that came yeah. in. I actually yeah. texted you about back in whatever 2014 where we beat the Black Garden together. We, yeah, and it had yeah had your PlayStation handle and everything. That was that was pretty rad. Well, and then it showed Vault of Glass with some of uh, you know are the other the other folks we played with you know Rob yeah the folks who are not <laughs> so non committed to Destiny that they didn't complete the raid with every every other one of their friends yep that's me yeah and then I bailed out hard um, as I yeah, always you know, do when Destiny is involved right and uh, so you know when I, I like the acknowledgement but I respect that as a developer sometimes you got to wipe the slate clean. Sure. Um, and what I the only the thing that I would uh, I I would love is the biggest nod is just any of the guns that I have achieved in the other game make them available maybe as skins in the new game to unlock. But I get that that's also like yeah. taking burden from the old game. So you know sometimes you just got to shed that skin, rodeo. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I, I get that. And so you know I guess that's that's a good answer that you know Destiny. A new one coming out for sure. It's an it's something to be excited about, and I'll probably jump back on the train then. I just don't know if Destiny Two specifically is going to come around for me. I'm just in my mind. I have a hard time reconciling what it is I actually want out of that game. It doesn't yeah. feel MMO enough for me to want to jump on in an MMO capacity. It feels too committed. Like I need to be too committed to this game for it to be a standard lobby shooter, like along the lines of whatever a, a Counter Strike or a you know a Call of Duty. Um, and that hybrid, the middle ground where it's half of one and half of the other, just for some reason hasn't grabbed me. And maybe with more content. It'll it'll lean more to that MMO side of things, and and I'll feel a little bit more comfortable with investing time into it. But if Destiny wants any indication, that's probably a no, my dude. I, you know what, Destiny, I need you to in, innovate in better ways, and I need you to just wash your hands. And I know it's hard as a a giant corporate mechanism 
that really, really wants to uh, have a solid profit mo model. Um, you know, but for the time being, I'm out. Yep. Yeah, I know. I feel you. I feel you. Sorry. Um, you know what I'm also out on a little bit lately? Uh, I was cruising around on Netflix the other day with the, the wife. <laughs> 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 All right, pal. Uh, I, was <laughs> I mean, it was a good one. <laughs> it was a good one. Sorry, you're, um, out with your, you're out with your beard. I mean, your wife. <laughs> you're such a sh <laughs> I really I hate this conversation right now. Um, and shout out to Beards out there. Shout out to Beards. Doing the Lord's work. Doing, doing the good stuff. Keeping it honest. Keeping it honest. Um, <laughs> I'm a little out on some cannabis-themed everything. So we were watching a, uh, you know, a, whatever, a movie on Netflix the other day, and I was scrolling through the, um, you know, the available movies after the fact, and all I could find was like cannabis-themed documentaries. That's really? it, like TV shows, documentaries. Like it was like there was like five of them. I'm looking at what's that one with um, oh god, what's it called? Medicated or something like that. What, do you know what I'm talking about? That one sitcom that's out now with the laugh track, the terrible one. What is it? No, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, buddy. I I I, uh, <laughs> I spaced on that one. Um, but okay. yeah, is it the one with that semi-famous? Uh, like Roseanne age female comic, but isn't Roseanne? Yeah, that's you 100%. Kathy Bates is in it. Kathy what Bates. Is it yeah, there you go. Um, high supply. High, uh, supplying your high. High. It's, I don't know. It's about a dispensary, high, I high think. High fries. I, joy, joy, joy. I don't this is know. Good. This is this comedy. Is comedy gold. gold. <laughs> oh, man. I got to pull it out a little bit and just say that the, uh, you know, the, the white rhino is indeed. A fierce mistress. It's um, galloping uh, just boldly through your personal Serengeti. Yeah. <laughs> the personal Serengeti is a great way to put it. And, um, you know, just overall, I would, I, would, I would rate the... this one. I would rate this one as <laughs> I would rate this one a pretty high on my list. And the reason I say that is there's a, um, you know, there's a light euphoria to it. And at the same time, there's, um, you know, a, a heady happiness that comes from the uh, from the delightful charging white rhino uh, on the uh, vague summer sunset. So, uh, personal Serengeti is the name of my new light funky jazz album I that like I'm releasing. That, man. Acid May. jazz, ba doo 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 doo. I think that's the way it goes. Pow pow, pap pap. Back, I, I mean, let's get back on track here. Uh, Cannabis-themed TV shows, documentaries, movies, whatever. There just seems to be a lot of them. And I'm yeah. curious. It, it made me think. Um, how, like, how many of these will it take for weed not to be cool anymore? I'm already, <laughs> I'm already like oh, sitting man. here going. It's been dangerously close so many times. And it's getting there. It's like, you know, to the point where it's, it's going to hit the, the zeitgeist, right? It's going to be so yeah. culturally normal. But at the same time, you've got, um, you've got so many people who are interested in capitalizing on it. It's the hot buzzword right now. And it's what it's, it's, it's the, the gluten-free. <laughs> It's the gluten free of right now. You know what uh, I mean? There's gluten yeah, do. documentaries. There's gluten, you know, celebrities coming out of the woodwork talking about the dangers of gluten, except it's the other way around. You know, it's folks getting into the weed business, you know, doing weed research, coming up with stories about weed. And, and I just, I'm a little worried that there's going to be so fucking much of it. The last thing I'm going to want to hear about is weed. 
<laughs> Which I, is a terrible I, thing for a weed podcast to say, I guess. It's so great. It's so great in so many ways because, you know, if, if the conservative side of, of, our, of our political spectrum knew that the best way to reduce, uh, you know, pot consumption, especially among um, the younger generation, make it attractive is legalize that stuff, make it completely ubiquitous. Who smokes pot? Oh, my French teacher, Mr. Pop, pop, Pavier, he smokes pot. That's Mr. Pop, Pop, Pavier. Pavier, really? you know, Mr. I'm Pavier. Marijuana. That my my uncle and my you know my dad smokes pot. You know, it's not cool. They'll stop doing it. Like you know, drinking booze irresponsibly and having any form of coitus. You know, it's just a smart move. It's the smart or move. Or prohibition is just make it make it just totally cool. Oh man, I went deep on another Werther's again. Why'd you do this to yourself? Good lord, it's like it's like. Small razor blades in my throat. Small, flavorful razor blades. Buttery. You know, I I know something about you, Andy, and and, and those those Werthers could contain in the sh- in center in the center just a cream filled uh, shit nugget right in the middle, and you still couldn't resist popping no. it in your mouth because <laughs> at the terrible. beginning you'd be like, mm, no. and then you're like, oh, that was thank you. That was, of, you. That was just, just full of shit, and then yeah, three minutes later you're like, oh, that Werthers take. Take that assessment home with you, Dank. That's horrific. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I? Yeah. I went too deep. I yeah. You, too deep. Ugh, now I can't even bask in the warm afterglow of I this. I did you a harrowing. Favor. This harrowing candy You're flavor. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Bless you. Um, Jason Schreier on Kotaku is building his own gaming PC. This is a couple weeks ago, but uh, you know, I I was struck by this article for a couple reasons. I've always wanted to build a gaming PC. To me, building a gaming PC is like building the 69 Mustang Fastback with your dad if you didn't have a dad to build a Mustang You're hot hot rodding rodding with with silicone. And pocket protectors and glasses for for those kids, for those kids. But for me, like, you know, I I have always aspired to building a gaming PC. Um, I've been gaming anything I've done on, on, uh, you know, on a computer sensor in steam or whatever has been on my macbook or on my uh, my laptop my windows laptop over the past even 10 years right so a gaming pc has long been something that i haven't owned um and the reason is because i can't justify rolling out to staples or best buy or whatever and buying a pre-built computer that i know is going to be shit in like five minutes right and i want to build the the uh penultimate gaming computer the rig. The, the rig, so to speak, and there, you know, the the price and the fear that I'm going to buy, you know, fifteen hundred dollars worth of components and be unable to assemble them has kept me crippled for a while. Have you ever made one before? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, how, you know what? What do you need to make uh, computers? What is it? Cotton balls, wooden dowling. Uh, what do I need? A couple sprockets. Um, yep. You need a you need a jackhammer and uh, some vacuum tubes. Uh, a, a double portion of Jack maybe, Daniel's honey. Maybe like a Strouger switch. Some, some chicken semi, nuggets. Some semiconductors. Yes, Andy. Uh, you know, I built many a, many a gaming PC. And, and yeah, it, it, you're right. It's Many? So more than after. one. More than one you've built. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, all my first computers <laughs> were hand-built by myself. Probably the first 10. <laughs> okay, buddy. <laughs> Well, where did you, where the hell did you grow up, man? What what is this? You you built ten personal gaming computers. So fun fun story. Well, oh, I you mean, had what's a gaming, no friends what's a gaming, in school. Good what's lord. What's a gaming computer in in nineteen eighty four? 
1984. Were you? You were like a. Are were you even on this planet in 1984? No, but I mean, I had access to computers from that generation. You know, in 1989. So. Oh, okay, I got you. You know, to give you to give you an idea, I mean, not to get too too long, but you know, we're dealing with less than 640 kilobits of RAM to run the best game that you can think of. Your Um, flashlight has more RAM now. Yeah. No kidding. Your 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 personal flashlight has a ton of RAM. Um, <laughs> but uh, I digress. Um, you know, I, I got to tell you, you made a comment, and I here's here's my 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 one big tip. You never want to build the best gaming PC of all time. You right. want to build the second best because yeah. the new technology know, way overpriced, exact, undertested. You're paying, you're paying a premium for you know. Uh, what is only an incre- a very small incremental, incremental step in quality. Sure. And, you know, for anybody who's new, like Andy, you're considering it, first, have uh, faith in yourself. Their internet's there. It's, a lot of it's plug and play now. But how can I access the internet if my computer isn't built yet? Just the one computer. If only we had a smaller computer. We always carried you with us at all times. Anyway. Um, if only, it, man. That would be the future. Right. That would be, we are on uh, the bridge of the enterprise. Um, but, uh, you know, my advice to anyone buying components is literally find either you're in two modes, you go bargain the bargain performance stuff from two years ago and slap it together and get a, a, a very respectable gaming rig together for $500 reduced, or you're on the other side where you really want to go with some high octane fun and you literally go and buy whatever the second best is of everything, um, almost as a rule uh, and throw it into a computer, and you'll have uh, a jaw-dropping rig. Yeah, and probably for like you know fifteen hundred to two two Gs if you're not getting too fancy, right? No problem. No problem. Yeah. You can yeah. go you liquid cooled. You can go for the dual SLI. You can get it all going. Um, and you know the only where you want to spend your money, that extra cash is straight up on your video card. Um, yes. The the next the 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 most recent advancements are uh, in. Uh, GPUs and the step is impressive. There's mm-hmm. um a, a, some interesting, uh, some good advancements in processors, but you really want to get that juice on your on your video card. That's the way to go about it. That's the way you uh, you, you you get the most out of it. I, I mean, I feel you on that, and you know that's been one of the things, or at least I'm sure not right this second, but you know a good while ago that was how you differentiated between what was a gaming laptop. Right, um, and a you know a normal run of the mill laptop was was it an onboard graphics card or was it you know a dedicated one, and I, I suspect that that's probably not still a rule you can go hard and fast by because I'm sure you know uh, laptops in general have probably progressed a good deal since then. But um, no, you you're, know, you're pretty much still on the point, my man. Okay, you want a discrete video card? Um, the mobile video cards can do a lot, but anything that is like hashtag performance, you know, it's it's. Uh, your dooms or anything like that you you really do want a discrete video card uh, on board yeah no I feel you on that and so you know I mean for me the the one challenge is I haven't done desktop gaming in so long that you know I've only really over the past decade considered getting a gaming laptop just you know the idea of, of being portable and being able to integrate work with you know the same computer that I game on seems like the way I'd want to go but you know, this this article specifically had me thinking about building a desktop. And it seems like, it doesn't seem like the best idea to me because I feel like with any gaming peripheral right now, ease of transportation 
is important. You know, I mean, I think that being able to bring your computer around and use it at a, you know, in a land capacity or, you know, somewhere you don't have to connect it to a wall. Yeah. Just, just, just in any, in any, in any way, I just, it feels like being confined to a desk with the computer that I've just dropped $2,000 on feels, feels outdated. And at the same time, I feel like, you know, you get so much more uh, for your for your dollar out of a desktop than gaming on a laptop, you know, I, I don't really know where the, the happy medium is. And I know there's a lot of folks actually who are making what are called micro PCs. I think they're much yeah. smaller desktops. Have yeah. you like have you seen that before? It's like a small yeah. cube kind of thing. You can get you can get a, as small as you can imagine. Like uh, they have they have uh, PCs builds that they look like a thumb drive. You know what I mean? Um, an HDMI connection is tiny um it's uh it's always a challenge right because i feel like that would be any, that's the, that's not the norm though like when we're talking about small no. somewhat more portable pcs no. you're dealing with like small box size right it's a small the size of a small meat pie box yeah 100 <laughs> meat pie box yeah, yeah. It, well it, and, and so that to me is more appealing having something that's you know whatever a, a, a foot by a foot um it feels like it's worth it more at this stage than than buying something that's massive or putting together Listen, something that's I, massive. I got to come down on, on one side of this, and it's this. It, I mean, if you're going to build a rig, you draw a line between the sands, between the one you have to plug into the wall and the one you don't. You're, right. if, you're, if your thing is portable gaming, like the distinction is where is your gaming happening? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people draw a line in their life where, well, I game when my eyes and my hands aren't busy doing something else. Mm-hmm right on the train, you know, whatever. And it's like the line I draw in the sand for podcasting. When am I listening to a podcast? When my when I'm not busy but my eyes and hands are driving, you know, doing right. doing any kind of, you know, uh, data entry, anything like that. Then I'm podcasted up. If you if you have the opportunity where you're sitting at home and you plug into a wall, you can build a horsepower machine um, because a miniaturization and portability isn't on the table. The second you said, I want a great gaming experience but I got to do it on the go. What you've put out as an engineering thing is a couple other elements on the table, and that's I got to make it small, and it's got to run after off of batteries. So it just it changes your performance curve, yeah. your 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 experience per dollar. Yeah, no, no, I I I, I hear you entirely, and and you're right, of course, which is why I've been so stuck on gaming laptops over the past ten years. They just specifically always feel like a bit of a ripoff, and the idea that you can't upgrade them, you know, that's that's always kind of shied me away because you are dropping fifteen hundred to two grand on a laptop, you know, even more so on a Mac, which is obviously limited in a gaming capacity. Um, you know, it 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 feels like if you're buying a laptop, you're doing so for more than just gaming. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean. Anyway, building a PC is something that I would love to do someday. Sounds like if I have to, <laughs> I've got I've got a, a ten plus PC veteran sitting in the wings here. Dank Dan, do you think you could do it um, after I don't know a hardcore uh, high up session of uh, whatever that crazy shit was? I can field strip uh, a PC with a blindfold on with the skill of a Navy SEAL. Uh, Holy Grail a black bag operation in Fallujah. So, but let me, let, let me, let Fallujah aside, 12 How bowls of Holy, Holy How Grail. How dare you with <laughs> sideline Fallujah. The, two bowls of Holy Grail in. Are you still making me a gaming PC? Um, with my feet. Or are you curled up in the fetal position begging for the sweet release? <laughs> um, I think what it would put me into is a zen-like state. 
yes. of complete computer assemblage. I see that. I, I can appreciate that. You go into uh, you go into Android mode. Correct. Okay. I can respect that. I can respect that. What do you think, my man? Do you want to? Oh, there's one last thing I wanted to talk to you about. Please. Space buckets. You ever heard of space buckets before? Space buckets, Canada. Why buy a mattress anywhere, anywhere else? Yeah. No, um, I haven't. So High Times ran this article a little while ago. It actually looked really fascinating. There's this, there's this conversation about growing weed indoors. And yeah. for me, it's, it's seeming more and more like a pipe dream. Like we've talked about some peripherals before that are specifically geared towards growing inside. But I've since you know, had conversations with, with folks that I know that grow. And there's a good deal more of temperature control and humidity. Light, lighting, humidity control. Protecting and you can, the environment from yeah. spores. Yeah, exactly. Then you can really reasonably expect to achieve um, on you know a simple in-home unit, air quotes, right? You're an amateur horticulturalist at this point. Yeah, and that's that's true. It's not a it's not an aloe vera plant. You know, you, you this this requires some science and some love and yes. attention. And right. so there's this thing called a space bucket. It's like almost a sealed garbage can sized uh, contraption. Right. Um, it's, it's a series of DIY, uh, construction instructions, right? Okay. Um, where you're taking a canister of some sort, potting some cannabis plants inside of it. And then there are, uh, you know, there are a couple layers of fans and lighting that get plugged into the top. So you've got basically a DIY standalone unit that can, yeah, self-contained that more or less is its own ecosystem. And the cool thing is, is these these are about five gallon buckets. Um, sorry, not not five. Not sorry, it's not five gallons. It's made from a couple of five gallon buckets and set up on this guy that that uh, that High Times jumped in on was about three hundred bucks, including everything down to the plant food. So that's a pretty like affordable weekend project for getting a grow op going, and it looks like. This is really taking off. Like I, I think that this could be a really viable way for someone like myself to grow indoors. Yeah, have you seen? Yeah, have you seen absolutely. this? Are you like? Have you pulled this up? You know, yeah, I've, I've, I've taken a gander at it, and uh, you know, if you got a corner to stick this in and just let it do its thing, it, it really simplifies and answers a lot of the questions of how how do I get it done. And uh, I mean, lots are you, of so information. There's, there's in, a in, root in, question here, though. There's a root question yeah. here. Are you interested in growing your own weed, or is it easier to just like once legalization is here and you know there, it's so readily available? Is it easier to just go out and buy a gram, or do you have an interest in growing your own weed? You know what? Um, given the right spot, I would love to. And it, it's one of those things where. That right spot for me would probably be outdoors of my house first, within the right. parameters of the law, um, Your Honor. And uh, <laughs> I think that an indoor plant would be like kind of the second generation move. Because, yeah, I get that. I mean, I'd like to plant some tomatoes and some beans and some carrots as well. Um, and it would be just part of the crops that I'm doing. That's where that happens for me, like just inside my own space. But I think this is cool if you're an apartment dweller and you want to do your thing. Yeah, for me, for me, it makes a lot of sense. Like it, it, 
you know, growing weed would not be an economics thing. It would be a point of pride thing, right? It would be a, yeah, like cooking in the kitchen. It would be experimenting with seeds. It would be experimenting with growing conditions and seeing, you know, to what degree I would be able to grow some dank, delicious stuff, right? Um, And at the same time, I feel like the amount of work involved in managing cannabis plants is probably going to make it more of a hassle than anybody's going to want to, or sorry, than than the mainstream is going to want to manage inside. You know, I could see weed getting planted outside being pretty common in our neck of the woods when, uh, when, when, you know, big brother says it's okay. I don't think a lot of indoor growing is going to go on with your garden variety person. It really does still feel like a hobbyist kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in in the U S it's big brother in Canada, it's like great uncle. Yeah, it's uh yeah, okay. Papa he's got Canada. He's got, he's got some rules, but I mean, a lot of them he's semi flexible on. Like his right now there's some rules on pot, but he'll he'll look under the uh, the other way unless you're a dick about it. Yeah, there you go. Whereas uh uh It's like kind of like Dave David Mini Putt. Perhaps Dave, the best well, the best analogy to our glorious country. <laughs> and I can't I can't. <laughs> I just can't. Whereas uh, you know, you know, Big Brother is more interested in maybe Sending your way to a federal pound me in the butt prison. All right. <laughs> Weed will ruin your life, kids. We'll see to it. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, on that note, what do you say we sail this ship into shore, friend? Let's take it into the harbor, my I'm man. I'm going to pop another Werther's original. Don't. Water. I <laughs> made try and make a dogging happen. And you still can't. I still. I still went right for the Werther's. Oh, my God. Well, my teeth are going to be hurting in the morning. Uh, listener questions or games you want us to play. PurpleDungeonSquid at gmail.com. I actually played a game with a listener uh, yesterday. He, uh, he had challenged me to a game of Mario Kart. I talked a big game, and I was uh, summarily dispatched. So room you for wanna, improvement. Room for improvement. Yes, I, I owe him. Uh, some, well, I won't. I won't disclose the details of our bet, but suffice to say, I owe him. Um, and you know, unfortunately, uh, if you want to play Andy, he's going to have to lick his wounds first. But uh, Dank Dan, tell us: Do you have uh, you have any streams coming up, or do you uh, have any any openings for playing games with the with the folks out in Purple Dungeon Squidland? Yeah, I'll have to be setting up some matches. Uh, uh, get at us. Uh, get at Dank Dan and let him know what games you'd like to see him play or to show him down at. Do you have the metal or the temerity to combat me in, in, in the open form of the internet? We'll see. We on the will very next see. episode yes, indeed. of the Purple Dungeon Squid. Yeah, and make sure you follow us on Instagram at Purple Dungeon Squid. Until next time. Keep it dank. The dankest. The drunkest. Danky Kong. Drama drinking. Dank. Fuck, I am high.